Is it easy money? Um, would you do we do we have an extra high life? Yeah, they're in the fridge right there. Would you care for? A I would love a high life yeah. if, if the fridge is working. The AC here's not working that great. <laughs> uh, the fridge is empty. Charles, I may be caught behind Myers. Do you do you mind? now that I offered it? Then I'm going to make him go get it for you. Yeah. <laughs> is it cool if you grab him a beer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would you like a beer? No. Would yeah, you yeah. get that for him? Thanks, sir. What do you offer the man? What do you gotta oh, do? What do you the, offer the man? I am fucking, the fucking worst. This <laughs> thing uh, like, yeah, ice cold. Nice. Dear sir, would you yeah. like some champagne, please? Yes. Champagne, champagne for the man. Champagne, yeah. <laughs> champagne of beers for the man. <laughs> if we have a live episode, can we pay somebody to be Jeeves? Just be like, ah, uh, another champagne. Yeah. To, are we paying by the minute? Because that's going to get old real fast. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> that's most of my jokes. You're going to go through a lot of high life, too, because it's going to get a little enjoy. You know, like, you know, like, <laughs> like dude, you just like, tell them to grab 50 fucking beers, man. <laughs> just put a fucking beer tub out. Man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Minnesota Wild back in the day when, like, Miko Koivu and Cal Clutterbuck and those guys were all in it, they would come into Kieran's and they would order bottle service. Okay. And it was literally how many Miller lights could you put, or sorry, Bud lights, how many could you fit in a bus tub? Yeah. And then we would pour ice over it and they would just put it on the table and just hang out. And the whole idea was they just didn't want to have to go up and get more rounds because they would just crush them. Right. So if they did a bus tub full of beers, they could drink them and then like half an hour later come up and get more. And I love that. It was very utilitarian. It wasn't like right. braggy. We, they weren't boot balling out. It was just... We know that we're going to irritate you by keeping coming up and doing this. Just right. get us bottle service so we can For feel sure. cool like we said it. And we're just going to crush like Bud Lights by the 40s. Yeah. Totally, <laughs> man. I would, love, I would love for that to happen again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I guess we should probably get this going. Uh, we, uh, we are sitting on a sweltering Minnesota evening I, w- I would say i guess a very weird day yeah it got uh, cool and rained for like 10 minutes and i got super hot again only in minnesota a fluctuation of 15 degrees really rapidly <laughs> down and up only in minnesota could you have a torrential downpour that cools at 15 degrees and then literally it went to 120 percent humidity and then went back up 20 degrees it's actually hotter than it was when it rained an hour ago bogus gross i was looking out the window of my home office on the right side of my house as I could hear rain and I couldn't see a single drop. And then I went out into the kitchen and looked up against the windows and, and rain was just blasting the windows. Absolutely. And then I looked out of the dining room window in the front and it was just going completely sideways. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so it's raining on one side of the house, but not the other. Full sun. Full sun. <laughs> Dude, it was wild. It was absolutely wild watching that happen. I was on a, we have a, a, a restaurant here in town called The Butcher's Tale that has a huge beer garden and it has uh, sort of greenhouse windows over the top. And it went from, like, a couple drops, and somebody asked what that was, and I'm like, I'm sure that's condensation from the AC unit. Right. And then torrential downpour, where Blasted. all of the servers were running and buttoning up all the, oh, the zipper yeah. walls. Mm. And then as soon as they got the last zipper wall shut, it, it stopped. stopped. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cool for a second. Too late. And then they turned the oven on, and it just got hot again. And then all of that water evaporated and turned into condensation on my own body. 
So I am at best damp and at worst moist. Well, we sure started this podcast out in a very Minnesotan way by talking about the fucking weather. For yeah, like, for real. And saying moist at least three times. Moist. Uh, so let's get away from the word moist and how damp and, and warm it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, we should say thank you again for tuning in. Uh, I am one of the co-hosts. My name is Ben Quam, which would mean that the gentleman across this gorgeous uh, boardroom table would be... Charles Wad. Ooh, this is sexy. Let's go. Are you guys used to this yet? I hope you are, because we have an amazing guest. Uh, dear sir, would you introduce yourself and let the wonderful public know what it is that you do? Uh, yeah, my name is Adam Gorski. Uh, I am the beverage steward for uh, Suki and Mimi. Ooh. Yeah, I know, right? How made up does that sound? <laughs> <laughs> the steward. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I'm over at uh, Suki and Mimi. I was over right down the street at Young Joni prior to COVID, and then... Uh, <laughs> You know, like amidst, everything else. Yeah, exactly. Like amidst the uh, last year, I had a bit of a location change, but a, uh, you know, kind of the same story in a different different building. So, uh, for those people out there that are listening that don't know those two restaurants, could you explain a little bit about both and then sort of the evolution of Suki and Mimi opening? Yeah. So, uh, Young Joni is the third restaurant um, of restaurateurs and Kim and Conrad Lafer. Um, they had Pizzeria Lola and then Hello Pizza, and then they opened up Young Joni about five years ago over in Northeast. Um, at the well, I'd say like a year before they were supposed to open, they were talking to me when I was at La Belle Vie, and I was going to kind of help consult over there. Uh, and then La Belle Vie closed down, and uh, I had coffee with Anne, and I was like, "Hey, you know, like I was going to consult, but like I'd really like to just kind of be like a part of this for sure with you all." Um, so I went over there, and uh, that was their first restaurant with a full liquor license. So it was their first time uh, being able to explore, like, the, the cocktail side of things. And um, because of that, they were able to have a little, like, speakeasy bar in the back. So we called it the back bar. Um, everybody thought it was in the basement. Everybody thought it had some sort of different name. And nope, it was just the back bar. <laughs> you never went down any stairs in that entire building. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of was running the uh the cocktail program over there um you know for it for the last or for its first four years uh it's last year didn't count so it's kind of hard to say like (laughs) you know like since the beginning it's like and then this like dark cloud (laughs) takeaway an entire Uh, year that was a mulligan yeah exactly exactly hibernated yep (laughs) yeah uh, so then during, uh during that time they were building out this restaurant uh suki and mimi in uptown um, that took over the old Lucia's spot, which was like a Minnesota institution to say the least. Absolutely. Um, and uh, they, Anne has, you know, she's built her restaurants on uh, really like with the, the strength of like this concept of pizzas. And she like uses that as kind of her canvas and she kind of is able to uh, pull influences from different cuisines, this, that, and the other, and use the pizza to sort of like show that vision to people for sure um and she had been like obsessing over the uh the craft of nixtamalization um making really high quality handmade uh corn tortillas she went down to mexico and studied with a bunch of people spent some time in oaxaca and uh learned all these like really great methods got a bunch of really traditional uh equipment to to sort of reproduce and to sort of use this as like her canvas up here and kind of introduce people to that that craft and that style of food. Um, so this restaurant focuses on that. Uh, 
similarly, they have a cocktail program in the dining room, and there will soon be a basement bar uh, that is actually in the basement. Uh, this <laughs> this place, which is kind of a trip when people, I feel like I'm still going to say like, like, oh, you mean the back bar when people are like, oh, we just came up from the basement. <laughs> like, it's just like it programmed in my mind to just be right. like, dude, there's no stairs. It takes some adjusting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I've been adjusting for like the last year. So we, I think we, we all are. Right? Right? <laughs> Least of my concerns. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I mean, yeah. And the biggest difference is that I'm doing the entire beverage program at Suki, whereas at Young Joni, I was just doing the uh, spirits and beer side of things. But sure. I've been uh, dabbling in the, the wine world, which has been a lot of fun. So. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, shout out to to Anna and Be Cool, I believe, on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to say if if you're listening and you, you're unfamiliar with her, uh, one of my favorite podcast episodes I've ever listened to was her episode with David Chang. And uh, I think I can say that after six or seven years of religiously listening to podcasts, that's the only episode that I've ever listened to that actually got me emotional while I was driving in a car. The, uh, the amount of passion that she puts behind things is amazing, and it's absolutely not surprising that you are, are still continuing to run that side of things. Uh, you also have a passion that I really love, and that's part of the reason that we wanted you here. Ooh. So, uh, I think Adam is the first uh, two-time champion of Libations for Everyone, because I interviewed him when I wrote Libations for Everyone. Yes! After which this podcast is named. For sure. And now he's on the podcast. I'm pretty sure. I was like just going through all the episodes. Is there anybody else that's been on here that I also interviewed when I wrote Libations for Everyone? But I think this is the first. And also was an extra in Tron, where the inspiration came from. (laughs) We'll just go with that. We'll just pretend. (laughs) The third member of Daft Punk in the Tron reboot. (laughs) Yeah, no wonder they didn't make another one. Um, well, what did you bring for us to uh, to sip on as oh. we ask some questions? Uh, well, I brought some uh, Gamla Ode. Uh, not sorry, whoa, Gamla Ode. That's what you guys were doing the other it day. Was. I brought uh, I had a Graves Akavit. Um, I had a, a personal bottle of this at work that uh, I was planning on kind of playing around with, but shift was running long today, and I had to throw something in my backpack. So, uh, <laughs> so I'll just have to buy another one of these and uh, bring it over there. But uh, this stuff's cool. I think. There's like a lot of like local spirits and like a lot of like botanical forward spirits, and these guys are making like a push towards like using some more like local like botanical structures, which I think is something that's like pretty neat. So, um, it's really cool seeing the way that Ida Graves is building their spirits because it's it's much like the people that emigrated from Scandinavia. Uh, sort of those same spirits are the the botanicals involved in those spirits in Scandinavia are being reflected and part of the reason they came here is because they knew the climate and they knew how to work a similar soil and now you know 150 years later after all of these farmers came over now we're starting to see spirits that are reflecting the exact same thing back where the build of, of a lot of their stuff is very it's very familiar to me from my Scandinavian roots and I absolutely adore what they're doing. I just think it's it's such a cool run and they make such interesting and kind of niche flavors where you get something different. There's no mistaking this, even if I hadn't seen the bottle, you yeah. would kind of know that it's it's an original spin on even a, a, a spirit I'm obviously very familiar with and have talked about a lot on this podcast. Um I will never get sick of drinking Akavit. Yeah. Ever. Right. Yeah, man. Well, it's funny. Like, when I was coming over here, I was thinking, like, I was like, oh, what should I bring? And uh, we used to do, like, <clears throat> uh, like warm gin shots. That was, like, a like a, oh, yeah. a, a thing for a while. And it was just kind of like, well, we drink, like, Amaro. We drink these other, like, botanical-focused things. It's like, what? Like, what's the difference between that and gin? And so we'd do that. And so I was like, oh, like, throw some gin in my backpack, and we'll have gin shots for this. And I was like, well, Akavit. 
Whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I wish it was ice cold. It'd be awesome on like a hundred degree day. Hot quavit. To yeah. <laughs> to spin it around the other way, uh, just showing like how our palates change as we grow up. Uh, in my twenties, when I worked in in nightclubs and I was DJing, we used to run this prank. We would have Sunday Fun Day, and we would invite everybody out. And there was this one gentleman. Sorry, Ryan, if you're listening. Um, we would uh, we would get shots of of chilled rumble mints. And then we would pour a warm, real gin for him. And for six months, he thought we were all just taking warm, real gin. And then one day the server came out with the shots and she set the tray down in front of him. And he just stopped and he was like, wait a minute. And he grabbed a glass and he's like, have you guys been drinking cold rumblements this entire time? <laughs> we were like, yeah, it's you know the middle of like a uh, hot August summer. And we're pushing warm, real gin on him while we were all drinking cold yeah. rumblements. Now at 41, I would 100% flip that around and I'd be like, uh, pass on the rumble mints, I'll just yeah. take the gin. <laughs> Maybe not rail, but I'll still take it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, to growing up sure. <laughs> and yeah, to Akavi <laughs> nights. <laughs> yeah, doing shots to growing up. Oh, God, I love that so much. Oh, man. Is that like cumin? I, like, yeah. It's, it is. These are cumin in it. It tastes like cumin. It's got to be. Absolutely. As you say, that ain't just Ooh. caraway. Nope. But then there's that like really a... That appeals to me. That, there's a hint of peppermint in the background, mm-hmm. too, that I really love. Yeah. No, it's like... It's super tasty, and that's that's kind of fun, that room temp, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that's so. lovely. I believe, Mr. Charles, let's, you're going to uh, start us off <laughs> with an MI the asshole. Yeah, <laughs> a so, term I just learned today. Right. I don't. I don't read a lot of Reddit. I'm not a redditor, but I, I saw someone repost a Reddit thing recently in AITA, which is "Am I the asshole?" I don't know if you're familiar with those. So this individual was angry that some vacation partners that went on vacation with her and her boyfriend were uh, so so consumed with consuming. They they wanted to eat good food and. She ended up losing it on them at a subsequent party many months later, just essentially calling them slobs because they wanted to seek out good food on vacation, which to me is patently absurd because <laughs> I would I assume because love. they didn't want to sit on the beach with her or whatever. Well, it was Disney. Yeah, she oh, wanted to do go. Disney yeah, stuff right. and you're they right. wanted I mean food is a Disney thing too, but I think that they actually wanted to eat as much as they wanted to go on rides. She just wanted to go on rides. Anyways digression so how important is it to you adam uh, to seek out great food while you are vacationing oh what like yeah that's <clears throat> pretty much why you travel right <laughs> i mean like and like uh i mean yeah like that's kind of the first thing i mean yeah huge like but one thing that's like not super important to me is like you know like i was in barcelona two years ago and uh, a lot of people were like like oh you got to go to like tickets you got to go to like these like mm. these like really like high end spots yep. and it was just like I ended up just going to these like little uh, like tapas places um, where you just kind of like point at stuff and they like keep like like they count your uh, toothpicks like that are on your plate and then that's how they charge you like you know? almost like, almost like a like a dim sum kind of thing yeah like, totally the of things yeah, that you, you know like where we went in San Sebastian was literally yeah, that just they, piles of stuff piles of stuff and then it's like like you like you like it's almost like buffet style and you're eating things and then you just like put your toothpick on the plate and then it's just like they're like well what do you want a glass of like chocolate like while you're eating your it's like it's like sure and it's just you know like so those are like the kinds of places that i really like to kind of seek out and you know my wife and i go to mexico quite often and 
<clears throat> it's just like it's all about the street tacos. Like I mean, Mexico City had some like really phenomenal, um, like you know, sit down like finer dining spots that were great. But it's yes. like at the end of the day, the street tacos you get at one in the morning were like the highlight for sure. So yeah, I mean, when we travel, it's that's it's very important. Yeah. I love seeing, like like you said, a, a place like Tickets. It's fascinating to watch on like a travel show. But it also really speaks to me as, like, it, that looks exhausting. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know that I need the theater. Sometimes I just want, like, the heart and soul of a place. Mm-hmm. I want to feel the pulse, not the wrapping paper. You know? Do, right. uh, does that make sense? Oh, totally. And also, like, I don't mean to, like, shit on places like Tickets and no, stuff. Like, all those places are, like, Definitely not. Yeah, when I was Sick, in Spain, I think I got 14 Michelin stars, so... Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is a personal attack. No, there's a confluence. I mean, it, even an interview that I did a couple days ago with that I was telling Quan yeah. about, I, I was interviewed, they asked me, like, what I love about food and, and understanding flavors, and I actually brought up this very point, that the highest-end three Michelin star restaurant, you can learn so much about the art that they're portraying on the plate, but you can learn a commensurate amount from a taco stand in the middle of nowhere with a little old lady whose hands are arthritic and she can barely fold the taco in half, but has been producing this same array of flavors for 60 years. And it's just mind-blowing. And she doesn't even realize how mind-blowing it is because she just does... This is what I do. This is how I feed my family. There's there's something to be uh, learned from, from both of those experiences, both ends of the spectrum and everything in between. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Not Not shitting on that at all, but like... You know, as you travel around, I would love to know, like, how much do you plan ahead versus how much do you just try and stumble upon? Mm. You know, like, I think that, so, years and, like, you know, 10 years ago or something like that, I think about, like, when we we used to go to Chicago, um, and, like, so, like, my wife and I would go to Chicago, and, like, we'd have, like, two breakfasts, two lunches, three dinners, and, like, cocktails all day, like, in between (laughs) sort of a thing, and it was, like, it was kind of, like, we got to go here. We have to have this. We have to move on to this, move on to this, move on to this. And, uh, and then like one time we went and it was like, we were just like exhausted and like, we didn't have fun. And it was like, it was like, you know what? Now when we go to Chicago, there's like two places we want to hit. And then like, whatever else happens, happens. Okay. Because like, like, man, it was just like, it was like exhausting. And also like you go to a restaurant and it's like, you know, you go to like, you go to Acheval and you're like, I'm going to, smash this like uh uh burger or their or their like it's not mortadella they're just the, the bologna, bologna sandwich fried bologna sandwich you know oh, man that is and then the it's shit. like but then you're like then i'm gonna go to this other plate and then i'm gonna go to uh, uh get some like fried chicken over at like parsons or something like that and it's like it's like but i don't want to do that you know like like it's like you want to experience all these things but at the end of the day it's like i don't want to go on vacation to like destroy myself yeah so it's like like, how do you get, like, the experience of this restaurant? And I don't think it's the best way is to, like, run in there and be like, I just want one thing off the menu because I'm running off to this other thing. It's right. like, no, like, have a meal. Like, you know, sit down, like, sure. get an appetizer, have have an entree, hang out, get to know the, the server. There was actually one place in Barcelona that we went to three times because it was, like, the bartender was so awesome. And dude just, like, every time we went there, like, just, like, made it great. And, like, we'd bounce around all day, and then we just, like, had our restaurant that we'd go to. Like, we ate it. A million spots, but we just kept then going back to like see this one guy. It's like, oh, we like met somebody. You don't do that when you're like, like stopping in, having a quick thing, moving on right. to the next place. You know, yep. that's. I feel the same way about bouncing around to different cities when you travel to another country. 
the most bouncing around I've ever done was when we were in Spain, and it's because we started in Barcelona. We traveled south through several cities, and then we flew out of Madrid. And Marnie was like, oh, no, we shouldn't have done that. It was too much moving around. Like, we were in Rioja. We were in Aro and Rioja for three days, two nights. And it was enough time. It's just when you move around that rapidly, you might otherwise miss something that that you would have wanted to experience i would personally the way that i travel is i'd rather be in the same place for you know four or five days sometimes longer but four or five days because then you do have the opportunities to return somewhere you don't feel as rushed to like tick things off of your list yeah and you do have those uh, opportunities to to get to know a bartender and come back and you know you have an exceptional meal and you're like you know what we had plans tomorrow night but we're gonna come back and sit at the bar with you because this is so fucking cool that that's it right there like for me it's I love to have a couple anchor spots yeah I love to find a spot or two that I really want to go to and then leave the rest up to chance because there are those places where you stumble across or you walk past and the smell just takes you over. Or you'll meet somebody. Like, I love just going to, like, finding a bar and hanging out. And it doesn't matter what country you're in. Find find a way to communicate with the bartender and figure out, like, where would they go? Mm-hmm. And they'll tell you about these spots. Like, I still dream about uh, in 2008, I was in Paris. And we were walking down an alley because it was a shortcut to a train station that we were going to. And there was this one dude wearing an apron outside. And he's like pizza <laughs> and I was hungry and I was like well we're not we're not on a time crunch like yeah let's do it and we walked inside and it turns out he owned the place he was the server and he was the chef and he was like you know like basically like what do you want like and I was like whatever you want to make me I'm in and he made us um, a fresh like literally fresh cheese pizza with uh, cured ham from a village that he grew up in and then when he brought it out, he cracked an egg on top, and the pizza was so hot, the egg just gently cooked. I yeah. mean, it was still halfway clear on the yeah. whites. And we ate that, and I still dream about that pizza. <laughs> and I, I couldn't tell you the name of the place. Sure. I couldn't even describe to you where that alley was unless I was trying to get between those two train stations and, like, wandering around looking. But those are the places, like, when you stumble upon that, that's, like, the magic of it. Yeah. And the flip side of that is, though, I'm not shitting on finding places that are incredible. because. Right. Places that are that amazing that you find out about it halfway around the world are worth that. For me, and it took me a long time to get there. Like when I when I was traveling in my twenties, it was like, how many merit badges can I sew on and then show everybody when I get home? For real. And that's that's fine, but that's also because I didn't quite I hadn't figured out who I was an adult either. I was trying to like prove who I was by where I had gone. When you figure that out and you get comfortable, I think it's a whole lot more fun to have a few places that'll be like, okay, these are the for sures, and then everything else, let's let's just try and figure it out. Right. And I would say, as much as I would say that about Paris or, or Norway or Morocco, I would say the same thing about like Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, my one of my favorite Italian restaurants in the entire country is the Calderon Club. And the only reason I found it was because I decided not to take a cab with my friends because I was poor. And I walked by and I smelled this place and I was like, I have to buy something. And then I ended up meeting the the 93-year-old uh, matriarch of the restaurant who still makes the tiramisu because, and I quote, my son can't make tiramisu for shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, okay, when I get paid next week, I'm going to come back and I'm going to buy a meal. Yeah. And uh, last February when I was in Milwaukee, I went there. And uh, she is gone, unfortunately, and 
her son is now gone, but his family still runs it and everything still tastes incredible. And I only found that place because I didn't have a plan. I just wanted to like wander. And I I think if you just leave yourself open, sometimes you'll find some gems too. Yeah. I will say that at 39 and a half years of age, we've learned totally different lessons because I, I cannot disagree with you more. (laughs) I, I will not just walk into a place in an American city. Sure. In Barcelona and Madrid. Yeah. Like you look at that tapas bar, you already know what's up. You can smell it. You can see it. You see the guy back there preparing stuff, making the pinchos and you're like, yes, we're eating here. So that's a place you can very much eat with your eyes here. And it, I think it drove Marnie a little nuts when we, when we first started traveling together, one of my of my many sayings everybody listens to this fucking show no wasted meals no wasted meals i'm not eating popeyes when i'm in you know san diego i'm not stopping at a random spot i'll do i'll do research in front of a restaurant even so i will fly by the seat of my pants insofar as i if i had a plan to go to a reservation at like a one michelin star restaurant or something like you know what fuck it we're having a great time in this neighborhood. We're slamming cocktails. We're going to get hungry. When we do, we'll figure out what to do. But then at that juncture, I will, if we're standing in front of two restaurants, I'll do a little, I'll poke around a little bit. You know, I'll ask friends, like I'll text someone that I know that lives in that town yeah. or I'll like <laughs> check out Eater or something. I will very much do that because there's nothing that makes me angrier than if I'm spending, we're going to San Diego next week. Okay. I'm going to yeah. be there for, we're going to be there Thursday through Sunday. If I were to waste a dinner on a place that ended up like, you know, following your nose is one thing. Like maybe you gathered something from that at times. You smelled something. And you're like, dude, I don't know what that is. For me, it's not a lot of times that's happened to me. If we on say the Saturday night before we're gonna leave, we cancel our dinner reservation at Ironside Oyster and Fish. That is a place we're supposed to be going. Fuck it, right? Yeah. If we canceled that and then just kind of went to some other restaurant and it was our last dinner, we already ordered the food, we're already hungry, I eat some terrible fish and chips, I'd be so fucking mad at myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is a, all right. So, so Gorski, I'm going I'm to give you two options here. <laughs> so, this is a uh, shout out to a former guest of the podcast and also my wife, Jenny Kwam. Uh, she always says she is a perfect line drawing and I am a watercolor. And I love being a watercolor where I'm just like, sometimes I don't even give a shit about the food. I just want the experience. Sure. Like, even if Calderon Club was incredible. Oh, but you would say that the food is part of the experience. I, I would, but I know you would. at the same time, if I had gotten to talk to 93-year-olds. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Sorry, Sorry we, we, we've had a, a technical mishap. Dude, that thing just like gave up. <laughs> it gave up. <laughs> Clearly, your microphone agrees with me. Yeah. Uh, I would say I that to leave. the experience, the experience <laughs> with a 93 year old woman who was making tiramisu, even if the tiramisu sucked, I would have been so happy that I got to meet her. And that is that's the kind of shit because would to you me, be telling us about this right now, if the tiramisu sucked, no. Yeah, but, but that's, that's nice when you can get both. Yeah, when you can get but both. you got to get lucky because how many times have you done that and it's been bad? Plenty. Yeah, okay. But I still find a way to find the story. But I mean, like, so, like, I guess, like, food's probably a little bit different. But, like, you know, we, like, I have, like, a like a guilty pleasure for, like, a shitty fucking martini dude, sometimes. Dude, I'm with you. And, like, dude, like, some, like, you Those go to a place that's... are my martinis. What's that? A super dirty vodka martini. Dude, and, like, you go Mancini's. to, like, some, like, you go to, like, some, you know, you go to some some spot and they, like, they shake the shit out of a martini they throw a shit ton of olives in it and they pour it in, like, a huge glass and it's love just, it. like, 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 love it. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, so it's, like, you gotta, like, you gotta kind of pick and choose if what you're gonna think is, uh, like, like, is the food bad or is it just, like, not your 
your jam, you know, like because oh, yeah. like, if it's like just like 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 sometimes like things that are like just guilty pleasure are way more worth it when you're traveling, especially or like those things like you know it's like oh you go here and like you go here like especially like small town you go to like small town spots and it's like we go here and uh, they make these like shitty cheeseburgers and the fries out of the bag and like and they pour you yeah. Woodford Reserve like they pour you eight ounces of Woodford Reserve for six dollars you know and it's just <laughs> right. like it's like love this place do it like if that place sure. existed in town like and I have all these other great restaurants around it's like maybe I wouldn't necessarily go there I guess if you're pouring eight ounces of, or six ounces of Woodford for eight bucks or whatever you know it, well, the, but that's the positive you pulled out was that right. they poured you a a tall glass of burger <laughs> reserve, but oh, yeah. you know the the burger might have been regrettable. Maybe you stopped eating it. Maybe you're so hungry you ate it and then regretted it. Just for me, I just I I don't like the, to take on that risk. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, like I'm kind of the same way. If it's like a restaurant, or I'm walking into it, we'll do our research. But like, if you mm-hmm. like stumble upon like a stand somewhere, it's like sometimes those are like. The like best, just the yeah, best. and that's a low risk proposition too. If it's, I think mostly for street food, you know, even here, but there is no fucking street. There's so little street food no. here. Even but like, it's such a low risk proposition. You know, I, I spend eight bucks, and it takes a guy ninety seconds to hand me a thing. If I take a bite and I don't like it, like either someone I'm with is going to eat it, or you know, I, maybe I toss it. Sorry, I don't <laughs> like to waste food. Right. But <laughs> when you sit down at a restaurant, you know, there's a wait, and they get you the table, and you sit down, you order a drink. Yeah, this drink's okay, and then you go through the effort of ordering the food, and then it takes another 20 minutes to hit the table, and by that time, you're starving, and you're like, man, we could have gone to whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that's true. I, like, there's just it's it, sometimes on vacation, I will I will heavily weigh the experience if it's funny or if it's like interesting or if it's a story, right? And I will I will gladly give up my hope for like really good food or a really good drink. If I know it's going to be super fucking weird and this will be something <laughs> that I can keep with me, you know, uh, there there are times where I will I will gladly imbibe or intake something that I don't even want because I just want to see where this story is going to go and how far we can pull that thread. And maybe that's maybe that's just me like searching for more stories for the book or whatever. But like I love that shit. You know what? This is this rabbit hole we went down is great because the question I thought was going to be mundane. It turned out we were all going to agree, but it turns out that it, Adam and I definitely care about food. You care about food, but you're saying that you will actually sacrifice good food for a laugh for, for a laugh or a <laughs> okay. story. 100%. Absolutely. But man, but this it, again, it's a gamble. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like deciding to eat something because of the way that it smells. Mm hmm. If you're giving up good food for the possibility that something funny might happen, it might not fucking happen. Absolutely, <laughs> okay. but but more times than not, for me, it does. You know, like there's a, there is a there is a there is a Chris Farley side to me, and what I've given up instead of like doing something that could potentially give me like physical harm, I have now turned into like I might eat some shit that I didn't really like. But I'm doing it because there might be a fucking great bit in there, and I, gonna, I gotta do it. The bit, the bit's always about pooping, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's the, that's the behind the scenes that we don't talk about. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, fucking well, to to a spirit that we can all enjoy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cheers, guys. Great question. We like to have fun here. Yeah, on libations for everyone. I hate, I hate having fun so much. Well, all right. I'm going to ask you a really serious question, Gorski. Uh, 
Do you have a favorite like awful thing to say or like a uh, like a phrase that comes out when you're just irritated? Something that you probably wouldn't want to like throw it in front of like I don't know your family or whatever, but like just something that 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 feels good to get out, even if you just walk into the walk-in cooler and just th- scream it out. And it doesn't have to be like super profane or anything, but just anything that maybe like once you say it, it just makes you feel a little bit lighter. Because hmm. I'm a big fuck you, you fucking fuck. Yeah. That was that was my sure. that was my. I've said that to more cooler fans in oh, a walk-in. Okay. I was gonna say, do you have a friend that you like to yell this no. out? That is oh. that is my. I've I've <laughs> a little aggressive. Like... <clears throat> I am no longer in the restaurant scene, but even after five years of being four and a half, five years of being in the beer side. I will still. You go into other people's coolers. I will still walk into other people's coolers. Me, it's. Can I just check the kegs real quick? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I'm not lying. Running a little warm today. I'm just going to make sure this is doing all right. You know, I just want to see where we're at with the keg right now, and just see maybe if you need another one. Uh, I'm just going to take a look back there real quick, see where the pressure's at. And it is eye contact with the fan. It always has to be eye contact with the actual fan. And fuck you, you fucking fuck. And then. And then we walk back out, and then we're good. And and I'm I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble with this. I'm not trying to say like I hope you say something really awful. It's just sometimes like once I say that, it's almost like a, sh- a weight is lifted off of my shoulders, and I can walk back out and then listen to whatever dumb bullshit somebody wants to tell me about how. Uh, well, you know, like I, I really feel like once we have Bush Light, Miller Light, Mick Golden Light, Coors Light on, I think we need a Bud Light line as well because we have discerning customers. And then I can go, you know what? That sounds great. Uh, I wish you best of luck with all this. And uh, yep, uh, I'll see you later. And it's it's been fun. Dude, like, I, don't, I don't know if there's like one thing that I've like gravitated towards. Or has I... there been a thing that you have shouted out that actually instantly made you feel better? <laughs> Man, like, I don't know. Like, uh, you can turn this on its head too. It could just be something you and your friends used to call each other. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I mean, uh, oh, want me to do this? I mean, so I can. Yeah, Charles. Can, what, 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 yeah, what's up. yours? So there was the the original way I was going to go with this is for many years I try to bring back a word that isn't used anymore, and I feel like I do it to pretty great effect at least in my friend groups. I I started saying bozo, calling people bozos a lot. It's just. It's got such great inflection. Absolutely. Bozo. Bozo. I even have like a French spelling of it. It's like B-E-A-U-Z-E-A-U-X. <laughs> yeah, it has Bozo. to end in an X. Bozo. Bozo. Another one was Philistines. Ooh, Philistines know, is fucking legit. Philistines, right? Uh, but actually my favorite after I thought about it, particularly being that we are once again recording for the first time in like 24 episodes at... Uh, the scenic yeah. Patmos design and identity on, where it all began on the Mississippi River here in northeast Minneapolis we um, I parked my Jeep across the street at my buddy Brandon's house shout out to Brandon yeah I used to live next door for seven years <laughs> we had this thing that we started doing and we came up with a character for it too it's his voice his name's Vern okay I won't go into his whole backstory the guy's got some problems he's uh, got like a smoker's voice but basically, anytime he and I saw one another through, you know, out the window, or like you're walking up to the door and you can see the windows are open, but you know the other person's home, we would yell. There's an extended version of this. I'm not going to get into the extended version because <laughs> it's pretty gnarly. But we would just go. <laughs> I'm afraid to do this into the mic. We go. I'm so <laughs> 
So we got sh- I'm just gonna say she had app like as long as we could. Just first of all, them, dude, shut up. Just like, scare the fuck out of like passersby would be like, excuse me. Like, <laughs> first of all, I have my headphones on. That sounds amazing. Yeah, so, it's uh, is it, is it more like, like this, like the hormone that stuff? No, it's just the way he yells it. He's got like so much phlegm and oh, stuff. Oh, sure. You know? Just a, a thick, goopy throat. Yeah, if you can picture this guy, he's a skinny, fat guy. He wears a tank top with his distended belly. It's stained. He's got a big pile of cigarette butts next to him. He's in his Barca lounger. The only light in the room is from his tube TV. More he's elbow like, skin than anybody should ever yeah, he's have. Like, he's got like only four hairs on top of his head, but he dyes them, like very obviously. And he's missing a lot of teeth, and they're like colored like corn, and there's stringy spit between all of them. Oh, I love it. It's that guy. And then he's like, oh. <laughs> so great. Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, Brandon and I we still yell that at each other all the time. Oh, that's fucking wonderful. Oh my god. I, I yeah, love yeah, that I so much. Yeah. I like I, I yeah, I don't like I don't have like ah, fuck man. Like I you know, like when I get like really pissed off, like it's just like boring, like I turn into grumpy Adam. Like that's all I got. Like it's just like <laughs> shitty. Like, is, like hold on, what is what is <laughs> What does Grumpy Adam sound like? Because I have never seen Grumpy yeah, Adam. Was, uh, I have known you yeah, for you guys so like, long. Yeah, like, uh, well, I mean, you know, I don't know. There was like, I, I don't fucking know what Grumpy Adam sounds like. It's just. Gosh heck. Yeah, gosh heck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I refrain from swearing and, you know, like, I'll like pay my parking ticket, whatever. I, I'm not uh, going to lie to you. This is, I was trying to bait you into, I just have no idea what you sound like when you're irritated yeah. and I wanted to know because you have been one of the nicest humans I've ever met in my life. And it's it always weirds me out when I've never seen somebody in a really salty mood. I'm like, what happens? Cause... I know. Well, like this uh, one of my bartenders at Joni used to call me Scary Dad. She's she, she's like, you turn into Scary Dad, and uh, just because like uh, you know, I'm just uh, you're just disappointed. Just, just, you're just not... a fucking boring human. And they're like, like, well, now you're Scary Dad. Like, I guess that's as bad as it gets. Uh, but, Is that uh, like upsetting your dad if your dad never gets mad? You're like, oh no, he's upset now. Yeah, he's not angry. He's just disappointed. Yeah. That's yeah, always that's real. always yeah, the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah for it. real. That's but always like, the worst. I mean, I don't know. Like when I get like, I, I'll like, uh, you know, for instance, I'll, I'll wrestle John Olson. Ooh, you know, when yeah. I'm like really mad. I mean, that's honestly. Shout it, out to John Olson. Is it weird that I just want to wrestle John Olson? Well, it's like he's just, got like, like he's, he's so good. He's so good. Wrestle. And it's just like you know, like we disagree about something, and I'm just like for like a moment, I'm like that upsets me. I'm gonna have to here we go. Him. There's a yeah, exactly. That's like the only like line that I can think about that I cross. Ties you know? his hair up and gets <laughs> in his stance. Takes off his t-shirt, just wearing a singlet. Like let's do yeah, this. Well, I, I lose, but I tell him I won every time, and you know, like that's. Yeah, I points. Love, you uh, went yeah. on points. Like, I won yeah. points. I, mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, I took your back at one point, <laughs> dude. Like I, I, I don't know. Like when, when I get like grumpy, like it's just like you know, just disappear for a little bit. I used to uh, for for a few years. So uh, silence, <laughs> silence is the answer. Yeah, oh, which, yeah. It you. <laughs> which also honestly would be frightening from you. Like I would actually, I would that would hurt me way more than an insult. If you just looked at me and just walked away and then wouldn't talk to me, I would be very hurt. I'd be like, uh, oh man, how do I? fix that well, it's like weird what did I do thinking about the fact that someone once told me that my voice sounds like a prepubescent Edward Norton <laughs> Actually, told me that now that you mention it you literally just sound like Edward Norton <laughs> well I'm a little bit older now so yeah <laughs> okay can we call you primal near 
Franklin Near. No, but like, dude, if you go to Cecil, like I have a name on a plaque that's the super preteen. I mean, that's like that's that's, that's on a thing. Like that was, you know. Oh man, you know that's who I am. I tried to get uh, I tried to get the insults calling people ketchup water for a while because nobody likes ketchup water. Even if you don't like ketchup, dude, you hate, hate ketchup. You hate ketchup water even worse. Yeah. Like, w- the only thing worse than squirting ketchup on your plate would be that little water that comes out before. But it, it never took. <laughs> it's, it's universally hated, but nobody wants to say that as an insult. You, you Someone's got to get a better name a better name for ketchup water than ketchup water. Like, th- there's got to be, like, a like a really, like, like really in-depth, like, long word. <laughs> Call it pre- Lots of consonants. Pre-catch. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-up. Or or you yeah that's ketchup ketchup farts is pretty good Ooh. yeah nobody wants that no one look at this ketchup fart over here yeah oh wow new t shirt okay. <laughs> ketchup farts don't be a fucking ketchup fart oh man that's god damn it I wish I, I had a better answer no sorry like I'm like I'm like, over here I'm like I'm like God like, what the, what the it, fuck is like, the sad part is it, like, it just once again confirms how much like I enjoy you and I think you're a really good person <laughs> because I still have like eight more things that I say that I have to get out and it makes me feel better when I really insult somebody and the fact that you can't come up with it's just like that's awesome you really like, insult them I mean like I don't know like when I like everyone's got their own thing and I probably have like like one thing that like I would say in front of like each individual, right? You know, like it's kind of very situational. You're gonna think. Of, you're gonna think do. of something while you're biking later. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh, fuck. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna turn around. I'm gonna be on the Plymouth <laughs> Bridge. I'm gonna turn around. I'm gonna knock in the door and be like, Charles. <laughs> yeah. Or try to make that voice that you made. Oh my god! You're I love be, that yeah, you're so gonna be. Much. It's gonna be like forty year old virgin. Yeah, it's gonna go dingleweed while you're riding your bike. Well, I'm not be... the forty year old virgin, guys. Come on. <laughs> I resent the implication. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck me! Oh, that's awesome. Oh shit! We sh- uh, hold, hold on. Uh, I think Charles, you're up. So I should pour around. Yeah, sounds good uh, to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, uh, the question, question oh, number three. Is that wax? Oh, God. oh no. Well, what happened? <laughs> what is that? Does the alcohol stain your table? This fucking table needs replacing anyway. This fucking table, dude. So, wait, is the alcohol like rubbing off the yeah, weird? Oh, so this is good to drink. <laughs> Just kidding. No, this table, this table's pretty, pretty beat up. I think it's it called needs... a patina. Um, I'm not sure if. Guess you ever heard of it? Huh, unusual. Okay. There's a, there's a top on that. Sorry to take you on this adventure with us here. It's, it seems like some of the alcohol that's spilled on the table rubbed off a little bit of the, uh, the finish. But this, this boardroom table has had to be replaced for some time. Anyways, question number three. Mr. Gorski, what is something you do that your wife doesn't know about? Oh. How dare you? <laughs> How dare I, indeed. <laughs> Uh, hey, keep going, man. What's what? that? Three quarter shot? <laughs> Sorry, I'm still trying not to spill on the table. It's something that I do that my wife doesn't know I do. Right. Ugh. For better or worse. That doesn't mean weird stuff, but it could mean weird <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Take a shot. Chats. 
Here's to uh, lying to our wife. I mean, here's to uh, <laughs> not saying everything. Yeah. Here's to not calling people names and just walking away silently when we're mad at them. One thing that my wife doesn't know that I do. This is like I don't I don't tell everybody this, but um, well, yeah. I tell her everything, and she doesn't know that. Oh, she doesn't know yeah, that doesn't there know that. isn't. That's any. actually a cool end around. Yeah, thanks. Next question, hey. guys. <laughs> <laughs> nailed that one. Yeah, Next. yeah, fucking nailed it. I don't fucking. I, I, you she know. thinks you're mysterious, but it's uh, there's no but mystery. I, but it turns out I, I tell there's her everything. There's no mystery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no material there. Yeah. Okay. I don't fucking know. Like, uh, what do I not? What does she not I do? <sighs> I got a boring answer, anyways. Give it. I like, mean, like you know, like what, like you, smoke cigarettes every now and then, like okay, you know, like does she know that you smoke cigarettes or I used to, and then like I quit, than, like every now and then, like mm-hmm. there was like a, a moment where like sounds kind of nice, yeah. I mean, whatever, like yeah. okay, but there's nothing like really, I don't like she texts me like when I'm like biking home because we go and like I mean when I get done with the work, so she works nine to five. And I bike to work, so I'll get done at work at like eleven, twelve, or something like that. And she's like, "I'm like, what are you up to?" She's like, "I'm going to bed." And like, I'm like, "I'm going for like a bike ride." So like, I'll go for like a big, long, like thirty mile bike ride and like yeah. cruise around town, have some beers. I'll come home, and she's like, "Oh, you have some beers." So like, it's like I'm not, I didn't say like oh, I got a backpack full of beers and I'm going to drink them on the way. But I come <laughs> no. home, and she's like, hey, "Yeah, you drank some beers." Yeah, like she knows those those things. So it's for like, sure. I, I, man, I don't know. No secrets. Yeah, yeah, no secrets. <laughs> mine's, yeah, mine's super. Mine's super lame. So, th- when I first saw this, qu- I forgot where this came up. I saw this question somewhere, and I was like, "That's really interesting." Because the answers to the question that the people provided, it was some article or something, Rolling Stone, who fucking knows. But it was pretty illuminating. And it, similarly, we pretty much know everything about one another. We don't really. You know, no one's sneaking smokes or, you know, eating an edible when the other person's not looking and <laughs> pretending like they're not high or anything like that. Uh, you know, th- there are there are spots in the house that I clean that she doesn't realize are clean because I clean them and I guarantee it's the same thing for her. That's lame. But my answer is actually she goes to sleep before I do and we get up at the same time. But on weekends, I get up way earlier my answer is grounded in the fact that at night when she goes to bed, like at 11 p.m. usually, that's I get so much shit done at night. Like so much shit done. And it's like a, a world that she doesn't even know exists. So if I want to play video games, I don't have any fucking time to play video games except for the middle of the night. Sometimes I'll start playing uh, this new game that I really want to play at 11 p.m. And I'm super into it. And I play it to like fucking 4.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. And then I come crawling to bed, and like four hours later, three, three and a half hours later, I get up. When she gets up, and it was like nothing happened. So she doesn't realize that sometimes I'm spending a whole evening like watching a movie, studying something that like I want to build or cook or whatever on YouTube. I do a lot of that. Like I create these huge cues throughout the day. I make like a giant queue of videos like, yeah, I'm going to bake these fucking Josh Weissman buns for my burgers. And then I like watch this video over and over so that I don't have to watch the video while I'm making them so I can memorize it. So there's a lot of that. Like 
nighttime Nighthawk Charles is like studying things and doing stuff that he otherwise wouldn't <coughs> have time to do yeah. during the day. And it's, the reason Marnie doesn't know is just because she's sleeping in the morning. I don't necessarily <laughs> give her a rundown. So I got to level 19 in this game, and then I also learned how to make this uh, this cheese spread. And <laughs> you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's a really like that's a really great distinction because like when I heard that question I'm thinking like mm. like what do you keep from your wife right. you know like, right. like, like, like yeah. that, that, that's kind of like like where where I was at but like you know talking about like things that like that she doesn't know about it's like I mean all sorts of shit man like I, I tie my own fly fishing flies and like like there's like bird feathers that like I'm like yeah. nerding out about you know and like like she doesn't that's know like what, what the fuck about. like, yeah, like yeah. she doesn't know what these things are and and then she's just sure. like she's like yeah you like you you made this piece of pocket lint and I don't know what the hell this thing's doing. <laughs> it's like, it's like oh, no, no, it's actually, I'm it's catch- actually a, a betas nymph that, uh, that, that came from a, a spring fed stream, you know, and I, it's just like, no, it's like, have like, you ever seen a river runs through it? Do you have any idea how beautiful this Dude, is? And like, so I haven't seen a river runs through it. Oh my God. You have to watch it. No, but like, I kind of like refuse because there's this thing. Okay. It's like, like I have like really, I have hobbies. I have annoying hobbies that have really popular things. So like I play the banjo. I like fly fish, and people are like, "Oh, deliverance!" and like river runs through it, and like everyone. Oh yeah. Those are two wildly different experiences <laughs> yeah. of the banjo and deliverance versus fly fishing in a river. <laughs> okay. runs yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Well, it's like, but, it, but it's like, well, like, like oh, you should also like, 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 oh, like, banjo, someone's like, yeah. dude, I love deliverance. Oh my god, <laughs> let's do it in concert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's like one of those like. <laughs> I, that is good. Um, I, I will. I will. I will say as a uh, as a happily married uh, cis straight man, uh, a river runs through it might be the most attractive group of men I've ever seen in my life doing things that are incredibly attractive. The way that like, movie is filled, it, it is absolutely beautiful, and I get hypnotized by watching the fly line every time. Yeah, all of those scenes, the music behind it, it is it is the it's. It's the closest that you'll get to a travel documentary about fly fishing without telling you about fly fishing. Right. Everything else, the plot, the rest of it is is fine. But yeah. like finding the rhythm of everything, it's it's one of my uh, probably top ten favorite moments in movies. I, I love that. I've probably seen it a hundred times. I love that movie. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm, I I, <laughs> right, I will well, I, I will freely admit it's uh, it's it's a. Okay. Something that my wife doesn't know is that I watch A River Runs Through It every now and then because I fucking Every love it. now and then he's seen it a hundred times, this fucking guy. Every now and then. That movie's like, tw- it's like 25 years old. That's not that weird. Okay. <laughs> uh, for, for me, it would be kind of the same thing as, as Charles. Uh, I am such a, a music. I'm just a nut about music. Like, I'm so crazy and I, I never stop trying to find new stuff. And people will ask me to make playlists, and they're like, where do you find this shit? Like, how do you have the time to do that? And the answer is when my wife goes to bed. Yeah, you I'll, spend, I'll spend three or four hours just searching around on the internet, trying to find new bands to fall in love with. and trying to Where find... do you cruise? you got blogs you follow? And... I have, I mean, dude, I have music critics that I love that I'll research through all their shit. I have Twitter threads that I'll follow. I have uh, weird Spotify playlists from people that I don't know that I've never talked to that just have similar ears to mine. 
I'll follow all their shit and I'll literally, I don't even go methodically through it. I'll jump through them back and sure, forth sure. Sure. because I don't need, if I do everything in a single run, it's like if you eat all salty things and then you eat all sweet things and then you eat, like your, your palate gets numb. So I have to keep jumping around to give my ears umami to try and like figure out what's going on. And Jenny will hear a song and she'll be like, oh, that's awesome. Like, can I have that? Like, where did you find that? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. The internet's fine. And then that's it. And what I don't tell her is that was probably like seven or eight hours of listening to shit that I didn't care about. And then I found this one thing and it's, it's magic. And I always, I picture myself as like, you know, like sifting through fucking river silt until I find a little nugget of gold. Yeah. And that's my favorite thing on earth. Yeah. And that's like a moment that no one, it doesn't matter if I was single or married. It doesn't matter if I had friends over or not. That's a moment that can only happen for me. Mm -hmm. It can only happen with my studio headphones on with like my perfect, everything EQ'd to the way my partially deaf ear is. I have to have everything perfect, and then I wait for something to move me. And when it does, it's, like, hella emotional. Like, there are so many times where I'll, I'll be laying in bed, and I'll be like, God, I fucking hope she doesn't wake up, because I'm literally, like, wiping tears away, because the song will fucking get me that I've never heard. Something will just be so epic and beautiful and whatever. And, yep, we're not going to talk about that. And she's like, oh, that's a really good song. I'm like, I know, here you go. There, that, the high five. Boop, we're good. Right. And, like... Two nights ago, that moved me to tears, and I'm just happy that she found it. I'm happy right. that she liked it. Or like when I send a playlist to friends, they're like, "Oh wow, man, some of these songs are great." And I'm like, "Yeah, they're they're pretty good." Meanwhile, like I spent a month going through music to try and like put this together because I, you know, you want to play it down because you don't want to tell somebody like everything in this playlist meant everything to me. Here, you have to like everything because that's too much pressure. And right. art is all subjective, and like. What I see or what I hear, it's not the same thing as you do or, or you do, Charles. Like, we all experience things differently. So I want to, like, downplay it because I will straight up tell you that all of this meant a lot to me. But it doesn't necessarily need to mean a lot to you because your entire experience with life and everything else is different. And I like, you know, like Charles and I have talked about death metal really, really hits him. I enjoy some of it. But... Some stuff that may be like one of the best songs he's ever heard, I'll be like, oh, that's fine. And then, like, some of the shit that I love would be like, yeah, that's not me. And it's like when, when you try and put too much emotion on it and then hand it to somebody, right. all you're setting yourself up for is failure. Well, it's like right. asking for advice on the internet for anything. People <laughs> don't tell you, I think you'll like this. And, and many times people won't tell you, that they enjoy something, they'll tell you, this is a place I've been, so now you have to go there too. Yeah. Which is maddening to me. Ugh, hey, I where should that. I eat in Denver? Here are the four places I went. Never mind if they're any good. Nope. Here are the four places I went. Go to there. And if somebody said, hey, this place meant a lot to me, like, uh, Adam, if you told me, hey, this restaurant meant a lot to me, I had this cocktail, and it like spoke to me for X, Y, or Z reason. Cool. Like, right. I would go try that, and I would be like, oh, awesome. And I might say, like, it was great, or I might say it really washed over me. But I'm not saying that you have to, or I have to reflect that back, and you're not asking that for me. That's, like, that's the weird thing. And so that's what I always try and, like, keep away from my wife is the amount of obsession that I put into finding, like, the the few pieces of gold in the river silt. You know? Like, yeah. I, I hate trying to admit the amount of time that I it's not wasted, but the amount of time that I like spent 
just trying to get to those few things. Well, you clearly have a, a goal for that practice. I I used to do that back before there was so much access to music with having people send me MP3s or ordering like unmarked fucking tapes or CDs through the yeah. mail. I can't do it anymore. I wish I wish I had the patience for it or uh, had better avenues. I don't know why Spotify neutered their Discover yeah, uh, feature. It's, it's brutal right now. I. I, I still listen. I mean, I my catalog is deep. I listen to like thousands of albums. But new stuff, I find practically nothing new these yeah, days. Totally. Yeah, and I feel like like I'm missing out on a shit ton because like yeah. I go down these rabbit holes that are that are like old classic things and you know, like just found this like new Ling Ray album today that like I've like never listened to and it's like but there's a thousand albums that came out today. Someone's got something good, right? Of course, like, yeah. But that's also not bad. Like that's that's the same thing. Like I, I will straight up admit, I would say that I've been a Jackson Five fan since I was a child. I never heard the Jacksons album Triumph. That was a huge record, and that was right before Michael recorded Off the Wall. And basically, in the same, when he was working with Quincy, he was still working with all of his brothers, and they recorded this incredible, basically disco album. It's fucking amazing. But because it wasn't huge and I was obviously like a child, it it never hit to me. And now going back and finding that, like, it's amazing. And I, I keep running up to people like, have you heard this? Have you heard this? Like, what? A, a 1978, like, Jackson family album? Like, no, but like, do I care? You fucking should, you know, like... <laughs> And and I don't care. Sometimes all of that shit is just for me. Sometimes it looks like fool's gold to other people, but it's gold to me. And I love having that. But I really hate admitting how much time I spend and how many bad records I listen to to get there. And that's the thing that I, I don't admit. Like, you know, and it's not like I'm trying to hide it. Like, she knows. Like, she goes to bed at 10 and I'll turn the TV off, and then I'll put headphones on. I'll just have my computer open. Yeah, you're just yeah. passing time. Yeah. It's just something you, you enjoy doing. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. it's the search for me. And it's it literally, like, she'll wake up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and sometimes, like, I'll have the computer open. And when she does that, then I'm like, oh, God, I need to go to bed because I don't look at time. You know, and all yeah. of a sudden I'll be like, oh, my God, it's 2.14. Jesus Christ, Luke. Not not drunk, not doing anything. Literally, just I get so lost on these like uh, Alice in Wonderland rabbit holes. Yeah, that oh 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 nope. Reality called. We need to go to bed. <laughs> She'll be like, "Were you on the computer last night?" I'm like, yeah. And I don't know. Maybe I was getting in a Facebook political fight, or maybe <laughs> or, both. or maybe both. maybe I had looked at who produced the record that I liked, and then found an album that he played bass on and then I really like the guitar lick so then I'll figure out what that guy did and then I'll find a singer that I thought was really dope and then I'll figure out who he sang backup for and all of a sudden now uh, I'm over here like you're yeah oh it's I bad mean, it's well bad. I mean yeah like like my wife doesn't know that I do that <laughs> but I mean like that's just like that's like like internet searching right like you like all of a sudden yeah. you're just like 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 who was the slide player on that fucking Ernest Tubb album? Like, it's just like, like that guy was like. <laughs> but that's the thing is that then when it comes up, I'll be like, oh yeah, that was like John Naismith. And yeah. Like, what? And I'm like, oh yeah, I know that. Yeah. No, that took me like 18 hours to figure that yeah. out. But then I don't want to. And I wasted 
$400 on records over the last 10 yes, years. But yes. now I know. Now I know. Or like the more remedial <laughs> version of something like that is watching a Marvel movie and then reading about all the Easter eggs and then like reading about like my, who Miles Morales' dad is and then being like, Danny Glover actually is playing Miles Morales' father. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Also, shout out to Danny Glover, single-handedly the kindest celebrity I've ever met in my life. Uh, he is not the kindest celebrity I've ever met. No. Not even close. I've never met him. That's why. Okay. That could be, could be why. That could be yeah. why. Yeah. No, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Same, okay. same here. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I met the- Chris Carter. I that, have like, met Chris Carter. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I don't know. <laughs> I think People tell me he's mean, but he was very nice to me. Yeah. And we, I think I told this story oh, on this podcast before. Is he had shiny fingernails? Because he French manicure, you know, baby. French, and yeah. And I said, "Your hands are pretty, Chris." And he said, "Gotta take care of my money makers." Boom! What a boss! Also, we should all do that, <laughs> dude. So when I was when I was like uh, like probably like ten years old or something, we went to like a like a K fan thing. Like where I was like standing in line asking a question to Chris Carter. And uh, my dad was like, he's like, get in line. And he's like, I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to ask him because I was 10, whatever. He's like, ask him, like, when are the Vikings going to run a West Coast offense? So when, <laughs> and I was like, so like, and I, I asked Wait, how old Chris, were you? I was how like old? 10 years old. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And I was like, I was like, I was like, when are the Vikings going to run a West Coast offense? And he's like, how old are you? And I was like, I- I'm 10. He's like, who asked you to say that? <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Instead of being like, yeah. smart kid. He yeah, like, no, he was like, he was like, he was like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's amazing. Oh, man. Oh, my God. I love that. Well, I still don't know what a fucking West Coast offense means. <laughs> <laughs> well, how long do you got? Yeah. yeah I mean, no, not enough time. Listen, all right. You could do play action, you do crossing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, the worst part is uh, on my little late night uh, music runs. <laughs> you know who my my new love is right now? Who's that? Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, dude! Like Not... those like th- those old like mellow dudes. Like man, like and, late night like dude, and they hit hard. I and not like I always knew it'll like come, it'll. Right, I always knew like the hits, but I I never knew like the deep catalog. And that dude is amazing. And uh, I found a clip on YouTube when I was stumbling through all these old, like, like, like B-sides and deep tracks. And it was uh, when he got inducted into the Canadian Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. (laughs) And uh, the, the, the female MC was like, they didn't even say what her name was, but it basically said, uh, well, uh, we asked Gordon Lightfoot who his favorite artist was. And he said, of the multitudes, he would have to say Bob Dylan. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob Dylan. And Bob Dylan comes walking out. This is 89, looking exactly like Prince. He yeah. had a, a glittery jacket, uh, black leather gloves, uh, poofy uh, like uh, blouse, and his hair was coiffed. And he walks up and he pulls the microphone down and he goes, uh, well... Um, Gordon's been offered this award a few times, and uh, he refused to accept it uh, unless I presented it to him. So here I am, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> that was 
That was the speech that inducted uh, Gordon Lightfoot into the Canadian Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Dude, so like... It's yeah. my favorite speech I've ever heard in yeah. my life. Like, so so I I love Bob Dylan. Like, I've, like I went... I have a... I had a real deep Bob Dylan phase. For like, sure. It was, like, everything. And I'm still, like, still trying to, like, wean myself out of it where it's, like, like trying to accept when people don't like him instead of just being, like, I want to fight you because you don't like Bob Dylan. You know, like... All right, but what do you, what do you call them? Huh? What do you call the people that don't like Bob Dylan? Oh, is this... Bring yeah. it back. We're getting sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> no, like I don't even know. Like it's just like it's just like like how how do I understand that it's like okay so like before it was like okay so you don't like music so like oh. you know like you know like that was me like in like yeah like high school and college there it is that counts it's not a name that's actually like that would be the worst insult you could say to me (laughs) yeah yeah, most people even people who don't like music would be like what are you trying to say yeah yeah so that's been like a a, you know like reconciling that for for a while but 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 i still fucking love bob dylan like hearing like those things it's like he just says what needs to be said right like he's like oh they they said that like why would i put like flowery words to this thing that like like you know, like I don't know, someone like you read his books or like his like autobiography, and he's like, you know, you know, people wanted me to do this thing, and like I was sick and tired of people like banging on my door, so I did another thing, mm-hmm. and they thought that that was like even better. And he's like, fuck, I tried to do something that like people would hate, so I like, like you know, like Nashville skyline, like he's like singing in like a weird voice, and it's like country, and it's like, but people like ate it up. It's like my favorite album, and he's like, damn it, and, like people are still coming to my house, you know, like. I I, uh, I went to XL Energy and I saw Mark Knopfler open for Bob Dylan and sure. then Mark played lead on the first four Bob Dylan songs. When was that? Uh, like four or five years ago. Okay. And uh, Mark Knopfler talked to the crowd a whole bunch, heckled the crowd a whole bunch. It was awesome. Yeah, I loved it. Like people kept shouting out like old Dire Straits songs. And he goes, <laughs> Yeah. He goes, uh, Cool. Uh, it. I hear everybody uh, saying the Dire Straits songs, and uh, just want to say, not going to play a single fucking one of them. Yeah. Here's a new song, and then like, played it, and uh, he he, he played the yeah. played the first four songs with Dylan, and then they played uh, uh, After Midnight off of Tempest. Mm-hmm. It was when Tempest came out, mm-hmm. and played After Midnight, and then got done with that, and and uh, he walks up to the mic and he goes, uh, "Hey everybody, uh, I'm Bob Dylan." Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Five songs in yeah. at a Bob Dylan concert yeah. in the 2000 teens. Right. And you think you still have to introduce yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case you couldn't tell. Uh, uh, I'm the guy, the guy you got. Hey, everybody. Much money for. <laughs> Man, and I thought I didn't have time to talk about the West Coast offenses. <laughs> there we go. All right, fine. Right now. All right. Let's fine. take a goddamn shot. Well, hold on. Oh. West Coast offense is engineered based on concepts that Bill Walsh of course. put into place. That is predicated upon passing the ball more than running, mm-hmm. slant routes, getting the ball out fast, creating some space so that you can run the ball more effectively. That's why it became so popular in the NFL. All right, guys, but cheers! Like we need the West Coast offense, but right it's now, still right? like, built Delvin off Cook of would, would would thrive in yeah, the West Coast right, offense, but we, right? Yes, well, actually, for the Vikes offense with our improved offensive line, Minnesota Vikings. For the people in Australia, that is an American football team. Good day, our fans in Australia. Hello. Stretching the field would be uh, incredible for us. I think, actually, we need to go more 60-40. Pass.
has to run because mm-hmm. we we try to run 50 50 zimmer likes to run more it doesn't work in the modern Dude, nfl it doesn't, doesn't work. fucking doesn't work. work like mm-hmm. i drive me crazy it didn't work with peterson honestly well, I mean, well I'm a, shit. I'm, he he stretched he he shrunk the field yeah. which allowed people to get deeper because he could you could stack the box at it didn't to christian matter. ponder but no, I'm not trying Bring to Bring back that. T-Jack, dude. No, let's drink. Bring back T-Jack. T-Jack is dead. Yeah. Here's the T-Jack. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's dead. How did I know that? Yeah, Here's he, the T-Jack. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, to T-Jack. Well, I'm sorry for my... Uh, when he throws the football, you're... I wish we could bring him back. I didn't want to laugh when I said that. Well, I didn't want to make that comment if I knew that that was... No, yeah. I'm sorry no, that I said super that. unfortunate. But that shot was for T-Jack, oh, who yeah. I liked more than most. Yeah. Partly out of desperation, partly because I thought he was pretty good, and he was forced into a spot that he should not. Car accident? Have correct. Been. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like three years ago? Yeah. Three years wow. ago, thereabouts? He, uh, yeah, that's a bummer. I, I got invited to the uh, uh, Mankato practices his rookie year, and I've, I've still never seen this in my life. I was life. there, too. When he threw the football, you could literally hear it. It would go... <laughs> You could hear the ball flying through. Yeah, the he air. get he had good yeah. action. It oh, dude, what ridiculous. he did last year in twenty twenty April twelfth, twenty twenty. That's how long it feels. Thanks, COVID. Yeah, we have no form of reference for time anymore. <laughs> I swore it was like three or four years ago. All, All right, right. <laughs> can I on. lighten it up after that? Yeah, R. yeah, R. yeah please, Jesus Christ. Sorry, right. is this he what I say? Off, is this what I say when, when I bring the crowd down? <laughs> we're gonna. Mm. We're going to bring and him back. And over to Ben. That, <laughs> We're gonna bring that's him back. what I say when I'm bummed out. I say, and over to Ben. <laughs> and over to Ben. <laughs> to BQ. Uh, Let's kick so, it over to Ben. Um, as you brought up earlier when you were given your intro, you worked at La Belle Vie, which is one of the most legendary restaurants and bars in the history of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Perhaps the greatest French restaurant in Midwest, in the history of the Midwest. In, oh, I can't think of a better one. Yeah. Maybe, Honestly, maybe somewhere in Chicago. I don't know, but La Belle Vue is legendary. Of the places that I've been to, I would 100% agree. Same. Uh, when it closed down, uh, real talk, uh, you were the reason that I wanted to go for that one last night. As much as fun as I had had with the food and everything else, I wanted to sit at the bar one last time, and I was very excited to get to sit at your bar. And uh, over the years, you've introduced me to a number of cocktails that I wasn't familiar with before, and the sort of the diaspora of what was set up there, going back to Johnny Michaels, um, it's impossible to not look at La Belle Vie as sort of an epicenter of what we still have right now in an incredible cocktail culture. My question is, for you, do you remember the first cocktail that really like made you swoon? That made you really feel like, oh my god, I have to figure out how to do this, and 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 what is this, and how do I look at the roots of this, and how do I figure out how to do this? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so my first bartending job was at Brad Street when it was the Graves Hotel. Oh, R.I.P. Man, I love that place. So much. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was crazy, man. Like I loved both you know, of them. Yeah. Oh, I mean. I went to the the spot over in like Lowry Hill all the time just because like I knew I could get a good cocktail. Their staff was great and yeah. Um, uh, but I I had never like really dabbled with cocktails except for I was living in Longfellow and I went to Town Talk a handful of times when Nick Kosovich mm-hmm. 
and Pip Hansen were bartending there. Um, and that was like they they really introduced me to what you could do with with spirits and how to like how to interact with them instead of because like before that like I was a 21 year old um, you know living with some just like a bunch of dudes and like we drank seven and sevens like that was like like oh like you just go to sure. a bar and like everyone does when you're younger you just yeah it's like whatever you have right? right it's kind of like like yeah like you have secret I'm sure you have Seagram seven back there and I'm sure you have seven up which is hysterical because like <laughs> No bar that I've ever worked at has ever had either of those things. But uh Seagram Sevens, please. But it was like, yeah, like you, you go to like you go to the you know, the place and you just ask for that and uh I think that the Sazerac was like this eye opening experience because mm. it was a strong cocktail that you could appreciate. So like at, at Brad Street you would fill your glass of ice put a little bit of absinthe in there, swirl it around, make sure like it got, it started to luge. So it'd get cloudy. It got a little bit more viscous. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd let that kind of sit like while you made your cocktail. And then you'd make like essentially an old fashioned. Right. But the nice thing was that like an old fashioned sits on a piece of ice. The Sazerac would sit on it in a, in a glass with no ice. So you're kind of like drinking this thing that almost interacts the same way as you think of wine and you have, aromatics to it it has a temperature but it also is drinks like that are supposed to be drank quickly because there's no ice in there right so when you have a cocktail without ice it's like if you sit in this cocktail for 10 15 minutes it starts diminishing right so you have a sazerac and it's like this is a strong cocktail it's made to be enjoyed it's made to have like kind of an experience with it and that was something that was like really powerful to me because um, one thing that cocktails don't have that food has is texture. What people will argue that cocktails have texture, but uh, you're never getting like crunchy bits. You're never right. getting like these things that are like this. And it's no. like it's like this drink is designed in this fashion, and this is how you're supposed to drink it. And I was like, oh wow, like you guys have like thought this through. And that was a really powerful moment for me. Like that was like the cocktail that, and I feel like just a fucking cocktail loser saying like the Sazerac was my <laughs> no no not at all not I, at all but I mean it's there like there are a lot of elements of that particular drink that are eye opening yeah. also remember like where the scene was at that time right like, that wasn't it, it's not where it is now like right oh yeah absolutely we had a lot of growing to do well and the the other thing like you say growing and it's like it's really interesting talking about like the other cocktail that I was like kind of thinking about that was pretty eye-opening was there was this cocktail called the Juliet and Romeo, which is a gimlet where you muddle like a, a segment of cucumber and a, a few mint leaves. Okay. And they would have you take like a tiny pinch of salt, and that was like the abrasive. But it also like, I mean, salt added. Like, yeah. A, as we know, like Some salt. Salinity. Like, yeah. Sure. So it's like like. Cucumbers and mint, couple couple muddles there, and and then it's a gimlet on top of that, right? And then I think there was rose water in there. I mean, it's a long time. Oh wow! Like, yeah, it's like but like but like a drop of rose water, right? Sure. Doesn't take much in one drink. So and then on top of that, you're just building like a classic gim like 
I say classic Gimlet, but like depending on who listens to this show, like someone might be like, that's not a fucking classic. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Lime juice, simple syrup, and gin, right? Shake it up and then pour it in a coupe glass, an up glass, and uh, put a mint leaf, mint leaf in there. Put a couple of drops of bitters around the mint leaf to kind of make it kind of dance around. Um, and it was so powerful because that was what 12 years ago in Minneapolis and during that time when you told people you're making a cocktail with gin people were like scared and like really okay oh man like dude we had to convince so many people that gin was okay 12 years ago 12 years ago okay like the argument was that gin's okay gin's okay gin's okay like like try to try to get people to understand that like just because you were in college didn't didn't know this was a thing just because you're in college and you took shots of Tanqueray when you didn't know what the fuck you were doing doesn't mean that gin is a bad thing. It's like, so it's really, somehow dangerous to some people. No, like, just to, like, just like, <laughs> like they were just like, like every time I drink gin, I get, I get sick. And okay, it's like, it's like a lot of people with tequila. Right, people of my age drinking tequila when they were in their teens or or early twenties. Right, right. No, same thing. And, like, so now you see this thing about, wow, like, like, was... like with, with, like, Mezcal. Mm-hmm. It's, like, oh, okay. four years ago, if you put Mezcal on a, on a cocktail menu, it was kind of, like, like I don't like smoky. I don't like this, that, or the other. And now it's, like, you could put Mezcal with, like, roadkill. Please people do. Are like, people are, like, Please do. give me another. You know, like, it yeah. doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't. I converted my wife to Mezcal. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I yeah, have long been obsessed with it, and it's great to see it protruding through right. the, the scene. Yeah. It's crazy. So it's it's huh. funny thinking about, like, back then, like, a really powerful cocktail was this gin cocktail, and remembering yeah. all the conversations with people. Like, so many people are just like, can you make this with vodka? And it's like, we can. But, but like, would, we would you? Would it's you? Not what we want to make for you? Would you yeah. please try it first? Yeah, for sure. And the cucumber part of the equation. Every menu in town right now has a, some sort of a cocktail with cucumber. It's refreshing, right? There's that quality of it. It feels good. It's uh, in something herbaceous. You know, lots of mint. Sometimes yeah. other herbs. I think what makes makes that drink alluring is the just that little drop of the rose water oh yeah adds a little layer that florality that's it's all you need just a little something different little je ne sais quoi because people can that's one of the things people can't identify is rose water what is yeah. that that i taste but i'm lebanese so of course i'm like, yeah. exactly it's but rose like, water. like like when you use it right people can't identify it right right if you use it poorly yeah Bar like, people are like this tastes like fucking like <laughs> potpourri like it's horrible Great, hey, why did you did you pour Lysol in here <laughs> yeah, is, this, yeah. is this Lysol that you poured in here so I so Quam, if yeah. it's alright with you I'm gonna go next yeah because, please do so there's there's two ways to answer this question because my original answer in my mind was you know foreign national I'm a big I'm a big uh, savory cocktail geek like if I can sure. get savory cocktails shout out to Nikki Schultz who worked at foreign national for years I didn't she's know. super dope so, might have been there when she was there I don't know who she is but uh, shout out maybe She's Call amazing. Someday, <laughs> you sound cool because that place fucking rules. She's an amazing so, bartender, and she's an even better singer. And someday we'll have her on here. Nice, love it. So they had a cocktail called the Spring Gibson. Okay, it's Gibson. Yep. I'm a martini yep. lover. Mm-hmm. Shitty and elevated alike. 
Also, shout Excuse out to me. the Gibson for getting its name for being a non-alcoholic drink, and now it's one of the most famous alcoholic drinks. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. So, okay. uh, uh, Mr. Gibson was uh, a teetotaler, but wanted to mm-hmm. have, he was a, a bon vivant, he wanted to have parties all the time, and everybody was doing the olive in the martini. And he and just drank onion juice? He started putting an <laughs> onion in his so that he would always know where his was, because it was water. Oh, okay. And everybody thought he was so cool that they onion started water. putting onion in it, and then oh, the cool Gibson dude. became a cocktail. Yeah, cool dude. Gibson's rule, right? They're so good. <laughs> so I good. prefer that over over an olive martini. Yeah, but that's a whole different story. Anyway, sorry. Go on. Different martinis for different times. Martini. So this particular martini was, and I I had to look it up. I was talking to Quam right before you walked <laughs> in. I was like, I gotta find yeah. this fucking drink. And you and I found went it. On my Instagram, like I was peeling through as fast as I could, and I found it from when my my now wife and I were in Seattle at Foreign National, which is highly recommended. That place rules. So I had this Spring Gibson. So it's gin, shiitake vermouth, soy brine, fermented spring garlic garnish. And it was spectacular. The best savory cocktail I've ever had. I'll try any savory cocktail. I don't care what it says. If it says, like, uh, uh, you know, I don't care. Carrot, turnip, uh, nettle soup with vodka in it. Okay, whatever. Let's try it. <laughs> that thing was mind blowing. But I actually want to shift course because of what you said about uh, how cocktails change with dilution and and things that you learned really early on. So I always used to drink every whiskey straight, every whiskey straight. I didn't care if it was uh, overproof, barrel proof, whatever. Until I started to, I brag on the show. I don't try to brag, but I don't get hangovers. Okay, blessed with that. But I do occasionally get uh, acid reflux. Like once a year for a couple weeks, I get acid reflux. And it's always brought on by drinking barrel-proof whiskey, specifically. Hmm. The first time, I found the nerve to try a really great bourbon with dilution was at the back bar at Young Joni. Damn right. And Adam... Served me a George T. Stag on my brother's birthday, and you gave me like the little saucer, yeah, which was super cool. It was like a beautiful presentation. I've never seen it. Maybe other places do it, but at the time, I was I almost was ashamed or embarrassed to ask for like, can I have some water also? And you gave me the little saucer of water, and I was like, how fucking cool is that? I can control the dilution, so I can take a little sip just to you know. Keep keep myself as hairy as I am, you know. Feel feel good about myself. You know, I took a little sip, and then I started to like gradually dilute it. And you know what I discovered? It's better when it's diluted. Absolutely, it's not meant to drink straight. Oh, like yeah. you shouldn't drink. You shouldn't drink a hundred ten plus proof. A hundred's even borderline. You shouldn't drink a hundred ten proof or over alcohol hazmat proof. I like to call it. Don't drink it straight. It's just burning your throat. You can't taste anything. You're rushing through it anyways. It's not meant to be drink drank so rapidly. So now I feel way more comfortable. Having experienced that, you didn't do anything transformative. It was you probably accustomed to people being like, Yeah, can I have a little water or a cube? Yeah. But I love that the notion of like Absolutely. supplementing it and, and feeling through it, finding the exact level that you would like 
probably with some insanely high quality water. I have no idea what you were using. I think that's just like Minneapolis tap water, dude. Like, hey, I mean, no. like seriously, we got good not water here. We do, yeah, yeah, yeah. GTS. It's not like I could taste it over 116 yeah. proof yeah. alcohol. But I just remember that being like, yeah. okay, actually, this makes a lot of sense. Why was I always drinking it straight? To seem like it was some false sense of masculinity. So that's. Yeah, Can I add a step to that? Because sure. like for people out there that maybe haven't gone down that road, uh, I love the fact of, like, try it. Like, honestly, try it by itself. I think it's fun to see how hot it can be. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. And then if you want to start diluting it, watch as it changes. It's a really interesting experience because you can actually control your own adventure. Well, if you know you're going to dilute, you can start with a cube. Right. Because then your first sip is the yeah. that sip where but it's for mostly... Me, the, the first time that I try anything, mm-hmm. I want to try it straight. And then I want to start diluting it down. Like, I'll do an ice chip or I'll do a little bit of water. And then when I get to a point where, or if I've had it before, I can drop a cube in and say, I know <laughs> this is where I want it to be. And I think that's a really like interesting thing for people is you can kind of choose your own adventure. Like, figure out where your happy point is. Like, for the most part, if I'm out like having whiskey... I would love for it to get right around 90. Like 90 proof is where I'm really happy. But I still love barrel proof. I still love what that is. And I still want to try it. Uh, As I've talked about a couple times on this podcast, I work for Surly Brewing. We get a lot of whiskey barrels in and we pull the whiskey that's left in those barrels and we check it out. And we were very fortunate enough to... uh, to have some barrels that I, I can't legally talk about, but we tried it yesterday, and it probably was close to 140 proof. It was amazing to put a few drops on my tongue. It obviously burned right away, but like if you smacked your mouth, you could get all those aromatics, and then we poured a little bit of water in it. We probably diluted it down to about 100 proof, mm-hmm. and oh my God, all of those notes that I kind of got from that bouquet of smacking my mouth... They came through in colors, and it was just gorgeous. Absolutely. It's like Malort. Malort yeah. with the cube. The bouquet oh. comes out. I feel the same way about you know whiskeys, or particularly bourbons, yep. that are barrel-proof. Those, they sing when they have a chance to, like, they, you need to give them, you need to give your mouth an opportunity <laughs> to taste what's there. Give your tongue time to taste before you chemical burn it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, for, for me to answer that question, uh, I got to turn it back to, uh, uh, 2004, 2005. Uh, we opened a bar that was a few years ahead of its time. There's a little place called Manhattan and, uh, it was me, Jeff Rogers, Chad Larson, uh, Brian Zachow, Paul Trezenkel, uh, uh, Brett Peterson, and uh, oh fuck, Ryan! He runs the Dakota. Jesus Christ! Uh, I can't remember Ryan's last name right now. Uh, it's okay, you've been drinking. He's yeah, whatever. He'll kill me. Uh, and we thought it would be really cool to try and dig down and find the history of of like standard cocktails. Sure. And uh, we had uh, Minnesota has a tie. At this point, I don't believe that we actually own it. I think it was stolen, but. Minneapolis and Minnesota have a tie to the creation of the Cosmo, and we tied mm. that in. It's uh, really? from a from a bar that's it's uh, at, well, three ninety four didn't exist at the time, but it was out Highway twelve. Uh, they still claim to have invented the Cosmo. No we did, shit. We did an old fashioned. Uh, we did a Manhattan. 
we did a mojito uh and and we did a vesper and i had never i had never had a martini that i liked i'd had vodka with an olive in it and i was like what the fu- this isn't a cocktail that's just a shot with something salty in it and you put it in a cool glass so the version of the martini that bartenders revile which is the chilled vodka with a Correct. Yeah. With an olive in it. That was, yeah. I, I was, I was 23 at the time and all I had ever had is a martini. All I'd ever made, I had never made a gin martini in my life. And at that point I had been bartending for four years. I had only made vodka martinis. I had never put vermouth in anything. Sure. And, uh, we, we found this recipe, uh, and it was Lele Blanc and we had to source it at the time because yeah. it didn't exist. And we did uh, London. Uh, we did um, Sapphire and Stoli, because sure. it was it was uh, English gin and Russian vodka. Yeah. Because Vesper Lind was a double agent in the James Bond books, hmm. and Lele Blanc was the French that brought them together. Sure. And the first time that I sat down and had that, and we did a lemon rip. It was the first time I had ever used a, a carrot peeler sure. on on a lemon. Yeah. I had never done a rip. I had never done any of that. And I greased the glass and I threw it in there. And I sat down and I honestly, like, I didn't hear anything that anyone said. I was in a room full of my best friends at the time. Yeah. And I didn't hear anything anyone said for the next five minutes. I sat and drank that and it wasn't anything that I knew gin could be. It wasn't mm. anything that I knew vodka could be. Sure. And it absolutely, I didn't even know what Lele Blanc was. Right. And I just sat there staring at this glass. And I remember at one point, Jeff Rogers was like, Quam, what do you think? And I go, it's amazing. And he goes, no, about what days do you want to work? And I was like, I don't fucking care. I have to finish <laughs> this first. And that was, that was the start of it because... At that point, I mean, legitimately, we were still using like, like Yahoo and Ask Jeeves as search engines. Like Google sure. hadn't even taken over yeah. yet, and all we were doing is thinking of cocktails that we had seen at other restaurants and trying to figure out the origin of it. And me and uh, Davy Jones, aka Brett Peterson, sat for two nights at my apartment just looking up the history of stuff, and it was like the first time that anybody had ever even told me that was a thing. And we were just, we were so far in front of that being a thing. And the placement of the bar was awful. It was dumb. It was next to the state (laughs) theater and like nobody from the industry wanted to walk that far down. And within literally within like three months, most of the people had quit. I lasted six months. I left. It closed down shortly thereafter. And then town talk came around a year ish later and what we hadn't figured out was you have to make it a place that people want to hang out. Sure. Yeah. Like we had done the, oh, we're going to be super posh and we wanted to be like the place where rich people came. Right. And really what you have to do is you have to get the industry to buy into it. Right. But uh, there is almost always the bottle of Lillet Blanc at my house. And I don't, I'd say maybe like five or six a year. I have a Vesper. Sure. But I have the Le Blanc no matter what because if I want it, I want it. Yeah, dude. And that's what that's what got me on that path. And yeah. like looking at the diaspora of what that crew did from there and where it went, and then when everything else got rolling, like there will never there will never be anything that inspired me as much as like that run did. Yeah. And yeah, man. Oh, it's just 
it's sad that we didn't make it work, but goddamn, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, I mean, yeah, it's like this. I, you know, sad it didn't work. It's like I I was working at Bradstreet with Burke, Rob Jones, uh, Nikola Govich, dude, and like you know, like uh, it's a good squad know, right there. Yeah, man, it was like it was crazy, and like like these guys are like my like best friends at this point, and it's like it's crazy thinking about like how everyone kind of like learned at the same spot like it's like when you meet someone right like like we meet people every day but like meeting people at this like confluence of like like where where everyone's at at their lives and how they're gonna expand from there because like you know like i so i'm a manager at a restaurant now and i'm seeing people come in and like start and it's just like it's like who here is gonna like go on to do something else who here is who here is working just to make sure they can get to their career at the end of the year like it's like there's no there's no right or wrong answer do you have an innate sense for that can you sometimes see someone really care (laughs) like someone really wants to do this or someone's like I'm getting my medical degree man like I can't tell because like because those people that are like getting their medical degree end up like being like way more into it than you thought they were gonna be and like my perspective is I'm always like, yeah, you should go for that because there's there's something there, yeah. <laughs> you can, know. And it's I, like, yeah. Can I give you an awesome story? Yeah. I don't know if I've ever told you this. The first time that my wife ever met you, yeah. was uh, we went on a date. Uh, she got dressed up in the most amazing, gorgeous cocktail dress. I was wearing a sport coat, dress shirt, dress pants. We went for and a bow tie uh, too, right? <laughs> no, I didn't have a bow tie. <laughs> I uh, we went for uh, uh, dinner. It was the first time that we had ever sat at the bar and had dinner, and you made us cocktails. She met you for the first time, and then we went and saw Gwar at uh, at First Ave, and she rocked Proper high retire. heels Proper and a fucking gorgeous black above the knee cocktail dress yeah. to a Gwar show, and she Jenny! was in That's the pit. Dope. Oh, and yeah, that was that was when I knew. Awesome. Literally, that was when I knew I had to marry that woman because Whoa. she was so At down. At a concert, I, I've never heard this story. Yeah, yeah, she was so fucking down. That's awesome. And like she <laughs> rocked it the fuck out. Like she had like the fucking horns up and was just getting down as the whole crowd was getting sprayed. Yeah, I was like, did you guys get the blood cannon? Oh, or absolutely. What? Like, yeah. yeah, we were in the middle. It was uh, they they did the bit where um, uh, they brought Michael Jackson out. And then uh, George Bush came out, and they sucked all of the the cowardice out of Michael Jackson and all of the arrogance out of George Bush, and then they blew it out over the crowd. And she had literally bought a gorgeous but, like, $40 cocktail dress. She was like, I hope it gets ruined. We got to go to a gore show. (laughs) And she fucking nailed it. And I I was like, yeah, this is who I got to marry. Because we did. Amazing. Killed it at Bradstreet. Loved the cocktails. Loved the food. And then gore. (laughs) <laughs> to fucking Gore. To Gore. <laughs> to, to Jenny Quam and Gore. And the Jenny Quam special pizza. It's still so good. Yes. So, number five. Fucking A, man. Gore. Jeez. Yeah. Deep cut. That was like. I remember, like, high school, like, buddies going back, and it was like, what did you do last night? And they're like, I went to the fucking Gwar concert. It's like... Did you die? Like, yeah. <laughs> People were just, like, bloodshot eyes and just, but did like... did you die? And it was like, you're wearing, like... I've never seen you wear this shirt. It's like, yeah, all my clothes are ruined. Okay. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, my favorite shirt is yeah. forever destroyed. <laughs> I, the white shirt it's like that a I wore. Show. The white shirt that I wore under my <laughs> sport coat, I kept and I would wear randomly to like semi formal events. Yeah, because it looked like it was like tie dyed. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was just Dude, that, all that's the where I wear. Like <laughs> I, we started like dying clothes like over COVID because we came up with a bunch of fucked up hobbies and uh and like now i wear those i'm like i can spill anything on this thing and like i'm cool (laughs) you're just adding to the art (laughs) yeah how about you yeah (laughs) number five no, I well, if we're talking about clothes being ruined, I would have yeah. just told you Metallica. My buddies, my buddies in Metallica. Go to a Metallica concert if they if they ever have another They're one. So great, uh, fish sauce pudding. Yeah, Metallica covers by a band where the lead singer is dressed up like Gallagher. It's fantastic. Okay, so on that note, you know. Speaking of deep cuts, we're gonna get we're gonna get a little serious here. Take the air out of the room. Uh, yeah. We're all uh, we're all animal lovers here. Uh, yes. We all uh, have had pets that we lost and love, and have, we have pets now. So the question is, uh, just to name a favorite memory of a pet that is no longer with us. Oh man, so many. Like fuck, man. Like it's like it's. I'm trying to think like it's so uh, it's so funny thinking about so any I don't know like anybody like listening like I had to put my dog down uh, three weeks ago four weeks ago something like that Uh, I'm 33 and she's 12 she was 12 so it's like I got her when I was 21 years old and like there's a lot of a lot of people talk about their 20s as they were like great and like for me, they weren't so great. Like, they were just kind of tough. It was kind of like, I had my dog there with me. It was fine. But, like, she uh, she was, like, the most, like, like me. Like, just a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, like, like little things where it was, like, uh, so she was in, a, in and out of a cone all the time. Really? Like, like all the time. Like, she just, like, she'd, like, run into a fucking tree. Or, what, like, what was her name, just for the listeners? Mo. So her name that, was Mo. Uh-huh. And, like, basically, like, I got her from the Humane Society. I was living in this house with a... Uh, I was living in, like, a fucking party house, right? And I had... There was four dudes. And one of those dudes had, like, was... His girlfriend was living with us. Uh, and then there were three dogs... And I remember when I went to go get my dog, I I left the house and like my roommates were just like like what are you doing today and like like I, I say it was a party house but just like so like everybody knows like like these guys were like like legit had my back like they were like really really awesome dudes but it was like it was an unhealthy place to live. So it is, yeah, right. that you know, is, like like yeah, like, like at the are, end of the day, it's like yeah. these guys were like like, like sure. they they all had their best inte- intentions there, but. Um, I remember, like, I went out and, uh, so I had a dog prior, and, uh, I moved out to Boston to do a little, like, stage internship thing, and, uh, my dog got hit by a car when I was out in Boston, so I cut that short, and, like, I, there's a whole, there's a whole thing, like, not, you know, you get into it, but, um, I remember I left this house, and, like, all my roommates were, like, 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 yeah, like, dude wants a dog like he's gonna have a dog and i was like i'm just gonna go to like the humane society and just like kind of like see what's around and like they were like like where are you gonna come back with the dog 
And I was like, no, I'm just looking. I'm just looking. And they're like, cool, well, we'll see you when you come back and you got your dog. I'm like, that'll be good. You know, like, <laughs> and I was like, no, guys, no, I'm just going to, like, see, like, what's at the Humane Society. And, like, you don't walk into the fucking Humane Society nope. when you're, like, like heart wants yeah, a fucking if dog. You, if you yeah, have you a know, heart, like, you're coming home with something. Yeah, so, like, I naturally I came home with the dog. Like, her name from the Humane Society was, like, Sunset, and I was just, like, that's not your that's not your fucking name that's not a name and uh you know like hung around with her for a while and like we were all just like you know we just like hang out and like we ended up calling her mo and she just like ran around and she started responding and it's like oh her name's mo like that's that that's what she is and uh for like years and years it was just like me trying to like people were like like well mo's a a, a guy's name and I was like Moe's actually a dog so uh, you know like like, and this is her name and that's that, that's what she does but like she uh, yeah man like she used to get like she getting like scuffles with other dogs and like we have we have a my wife when, when we met we had our own dogs so she has a corgi and then I had Mo, which is like a 50 pound mixed breed kind of a thing and and they're like like best friends but like boris the corgi is like the dominant one right and like if mo ever like okay. got like near boris's food uh boris would like react kind of a thing like sort of like like he Some kept aggression. her in line mm-hmm. yeah so like she'd get like little like nips here and there and like it's back in the fucking cone and we called it her bonnet and uh <laughs> we used to live uh over in the harrison neighborhood right by Bryn Mawr, and okay. there's this bridge that's got a bunch of like vertical pillars on it and like we'd walk Mo and she'd like she had her cone on and she'd hit every fucking pillar every day like yeah. every day you walk her, and she'd go ding, like dunk 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 and it was just like, like designed to yeah, like, the like, yeah. pillars you know like it's like that memory for me is like the epitome of of this dog because she was just like she was just a dope she lived her life to like love everything like anybody that had ever been to my house is like they're like 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 boris is like hot and cold it's like boris is like guys he doesn't like people like coming on strong mo is just like she'd run up to you and she was really invasive she'd just like smell you just be really close to you and she'd like She'd bark at you, but she'd be like wagging her tail, like you know, like like there for you, and like <laughs> it was you know, like I don't know, I don't know if there's like one specific memory, but the the, the, the cone memory is like the one thing <laughs> that so kind of awesome. just blasting into everything. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. God, I love that. Yeah. Oh, I uh, Thor the Wonder Dog, Thorvald the Wonder Dog was my dog from three till nineteen. He was a Sheltie, and I loved him to death. It's a good life, but he. Uh, all he did was run a figure eight in our backyard. Like, I love him so much, but <laughs> Thor didn't have a personality. All he yeah. wanted to do... He's a Zoomer? Yeah, he was a Zoomer. <laughs> like, he, uh, the uh, the guy who bought my family's house when uh, in 1994 when we moved out to Maple Grove, his name was Jim Duda. He still... I, I know him. I've gone to visit him. He still can't grow grass on the figure eight that Thor <laughs> ran because it was so trampled. Like, you could still see it in his backyard. <laughs> Uh, and I love Thor, but like, God damn, he just, that was all he wanted to do was like run ball, run ball. And then, uh, 
our family adopted a, a Springer Spaniel named Buster, who was just a doof. Like, he was what you were talking about, except without the cone. Like, he would just run into walls. That yeah. was, like, his thing. But um, I haven't talked about this a lot on, on the podcast, but uh, I do have an ex-wife, and uh, I spent uh, years with her, too. And when I met her, she had recently adopted uh, an Argentine dogo named Marley. And uh, uh, her and her friend found Marley uh, tied to a no parking sign right next to what used to be Lake Calhoun, now Bede Makaska. And uh, the vets basically said uh, if he had been out there for another day or two, he would have died from malnutrition. So they nursed him back. And her friend Vanessa had him for a while. And then her friend Vanessa was moving. So uh, my ex got him. And then we met. And... uh, he was a 95-pound Argentine Dogo, which basically looks like a cross between, like, an American Bulldog and a Pit Bull, but bigger. Right. So he had a 22-and-a-half-inch neck. I mean, that's how yeah. big this motherfucker was. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when we met... I have no idea what a Dogo is. I thought you were just being no, cute. Like no, a dog. He's, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> D-O-G-O. Uh, they're, uh, most of them are all white, and because they're all white... Most of them are partially deaf or completely deaf. Okay, is this like a common name for the combination? Yeah, yeah they're they're okay. uh, they're actually illegal to have in the United States. Oh. So All somebody right. smuggled them in, and they were basically like, "We don't want to put him down, but like because he's here, you can adopt him." But you know, whatever. Right. Okay. And so you can imagine, like, with a twenty-two and a half inch neck, like he has a giant fucking skull. And uh, the first time that I went over to her place, uh, he was very curious, you know, about me. And uh, (laughs) she was in her early 20s and I was in my mid 20s. She was doing the mattress on the floor, you know, kind of bohemian thing. And he slept next to her. And so the first time that I stayed over, he was like, wait, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, this is my this is my space. And it was like we had to kind of like I mean he was like like I you said were, like almost a hundred pounds for territory. We, we just had to like we had to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we got pretty serious pretty quick, and we moved in together. And uh, he uh, when when we moved in together, and we got a new bed, and it, it was you know obviously we had like a bed frame, and it was up a little bit. And he kind of figured out like okay, well like this is new guy's thing. So we have to figure out our, our own our own like method to this. And he would come up to me and he would like dunk headbutt me. His big old head. And that was that was how like we would press our foreheads together and then he'd be like, Okay, like we're good. Like I do that and, and you're fine. And then he would turn around and he would face the door and he would fall asleep. Like sometimes between us or sometimes on my side or sometimes on her side. But he would always face the door because that was where the door going outside also was. So he would make sure that, like, he was protecting us. Mm -hmm. But legitimately for the rest of our relationship, uh, every night before we went to bed, he would come up and headbutt me. Yeah. And that was it. And I... I have an incredibly gorgeous and wonderful dog named Millie who is my wife's shadow... And Millie every now and then will do that to me, and it gets me like legitimately emotional. Yeah. Because Marley was the fucking sweetest. Uh, we figured out later uh, when he got some x rays done that uh, somebody had basically thought he was going to be like a fighting dog <clears throat> and uh, had not only taken an amount, an immense amount of scars, yeah. 
from clearly being bit, mm-hmm. but then somebody had tried to kill him by hitting him with a shovel a few times and had severely concussed him, and then apparently didn't have the guts to do anything more and then fucking tied him up to just, like, starve him to death. And the fact that that, that dog could, like, look at me and still be like, hey, you're a stranger, but you seem pretty cool. Right. And, like, we would just do that, and that was his, like, okay, like, we can do this, and we're good, and then, boom. It just kind of, it taught me, like, a different layer of, like, the love that animals can give. Right. You know? And I, uh, I, I don't get me wrong, I love all of the designer dogs out there. Like, if, if you're a dog, you're fucking amazing. Right. But there will never be a time that I won't try and go to a, a, a pound or a shelter or anything because there are so many fucking dogs out there that just need that kind of love. And and it took a, a giant, mostly deaf, white dog that's banned in America to teach me that. Right. But that's, to me, that's that's it. Like, that, that dog taught me actual love. And even after uh, my ex and I got divorced... Uh, that was the only reason that we kept talking. And I, I honestly didn't even care. Like all of the other like pain and everything else went out of the door when it came to us sharing shit. And I will forever be thankful that, uh, when Jenny and I got serious, uh, we got to have a Christmas with him before he passed away. Mm -hmm. And she got to see how fucking wonderful that little dude was. The little dude. I mean, he was fucking massive, but like, yeah, it was just like, yeah, all right, we gotta we gotta have one one last time to fucking hang. Yeah, and you know all of the injuries and all of the, everything else just caught up with him, and that, that's tough. But at the end of the day, when when there's something like when maybe you don't necessarily have the idea of what like uh like absolutely unconditional love is, there's like dogs will show that to you. Yeah, you know, and every time I feel like I might lose touch with that, like I look at, at my dog Millie right now and she's just like, even, even when she doesn't know anything, when I'm really fucking dying inside, I'll look at her and you just hear like, that tail just starts going. You're like, ah, yeah. fuck. Like that. All right, fine. <laughs> all right, fine. Whatever I have going on, it's not that bad. <laughs> right. So I don't know, man. To everybody out there who, uh, who has pets, loves pets and whatever, cheers to you. We're not doing a shot. I haven't even... No, oh, fucking eight. Sorry. <laughs> I got too into my own thoughts. I just can't hate motherfucker. <laughs> oh, man, you can't, though. <laughs> ah, lucky's the shit. Yeah. No, I grew up with cats. My mom my mom was mortified of dogs. I always wanted... There was this dog in a window we'd always pass in Harmar Mall at the pet store. There was uh, this little yellow lab, and I'd be like, I want this dog. I want this dog. But... It, my mom would never acquiesce to that because she was so scared of dogs because she got bit by a dog. So we, we grew up with cats. We had cats. When I was a kid, I had Lucky Senior. I have a Lucky now. He is actually Lucky Junior. He is the spiritual successor to the OG Lucky in every way. He's a stray black male cat, uh, except for the fact that the Lucky I have now thinks he's a tough guy, but he's absolutely <laughs> not tough at all. <laughs> he's, he's very much a lover, not a fighter. OG Lucky was a fucking terror. He was a street cat. Uh, he ran away for seven years. I'm not going to get into all the minutiae, but <laughs> he ran away for seven years. He came to our doorstep. My dad didn't believe that he was the same cat. Seven I told him to flip him. Years, seven fucking years, and we didn't That's even, so amazing. We didn't even live in the same house, and I told my dad to flip him over and look at his paw because he had a scar on his hand, on his paw, like the, his paw pad on his, on his right paw. So <laughs> that particular cat... 
used to kill squirrels. He was a mouser. He used to beat up dogs. I remember one time my my brother, my older brother Tony, myself, some neighbor kids were playing uh, roller hockey in the alley. And our neighbor just down the way who had a wiener dog came storming out into the alley, just trudging after us and screamed. I'll never forget the line that this guy said to me. Keep your cat away from my dog. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's such a weird thing. Like, what? <laughs> really? Because Lucky was jumping over the fence and beating up his, Fucking him up. his wiener dog. Fucking him up. But, yeah, so uh, I'm, there's a... That's way better than keep your pussy away from my wiener. That's yeah. way better. Yeah, well... <laughs> or worse. I probably would still remember that as well. The other... I had... A cat in between who was kidnapped. Just fucked up. <laughs> Lucky actually died. Lucky Sr. died because uh, he got ran over by a neighbor friend's dad with his to- with his uh, plow truck in the winter. Jesus. And he'd been gone for days. We used to just go down the alley and just go, Lucky. And he just come because he was Ooh. a night cat. You just sent him out, especially being 39 years old. Like, all cats were street cats. Ooh. I would just go, Lucky. And he'd, you'd see him from one end or the other of the the alley he would just pop up and he just stopped coming and my childhood friend told me hey come find lucky he look come come look at lucky he's clearly sick now he's not sick he has tire tracks through his body i wish i never saw it mm. fucking traumatized me we had a cat named mocha there was the next cat we got we got her when she was two she lived to be fucking 24 years old 24 years old i had her for Amazing. I mean, she lived with my mom, but I had her for so much of my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was, uh, I used to call her Demon Cat because she could still jump on the couch at 23 years old. She would do her little, little wiping her hands on, she'd do the getting, you know, getting herself uh, motivated to yeah, do ready? it. Like she'd still jump up. up. I'd be like, are you fucking kidding? You're 23 years old. You're still jumping in my lap. That, that cat was cool as hell. And I didn't, when I was, you know, I had Lucky, who was this fucking terror covered in scars midnight black beating up dogs like that was like my kind of cat like yeah fucking that's you know what I mean Ooh, that's the kind of absolutely because I, I wanted a dog and that was I got that cool cat instead Mocha was like a floofy mocha colored cat she was named by her prior owner which is my dad's co-worker at uh, Eastside Beverage and she just like burrowed herself right into my heart which it seemed right. like she was trying to do when she laid on my chest uh, and the other the other thing that I remember most about her, she'd fucking eat anything. Watermelon, <laughs> lettuce, corn. The last 10 years of her life, no cat food. She refused. We'd give it to We'd like pour it. But my mom, my mom always acted like she didn't really care about mocha. But my mom fed her every night. So my mom would be like, get away from me, like all the time. But every night, mocha would come right over to the side of her chair. And my mom would be giving her like pieces of lettuce and tomato. And she'd be like... That's so awesome. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Right. Well, fucking cheers to uh, cheers, to, cheers to cheers yeah. to animals other than humans. They're better than all of us. They're better than all of us. They're as good as the best of us. I will say. All right, uh, Mr. Gorski. I want to turn it back before we end this to uh, to travel. And this could be outside of the Twin Cities. This could be across the country. This could be in another continent. Is there a place when you travel to that no matter what, 
you have to visit. You have to stop. You have to get a drink. You have to get a meal. You have to have a snack. Is there a place that, like, when your friends go somewhere, you're like, I don't care what else you do, but you have to go here and get this? Yeah, so I... Yes. There's... Correct. (laughs) (laughs) There's, like, uh... You know, like, you you go to places that are, like, food cities and this and like like people can kind of pick and choose right mm-hmm. like there's so many options like if i was gonna say like when you go to chicago you gotta go to this place it's like i'd oh, be an all. arrogant asshole like right you know like like i know the be- i know the best place in chicago you gotta go there that kind <laughs> of stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh but like when people go to like smaller markets it's kind of like hey like there's a lot of things going on here but like i know you i know your tastes like maybe this place would would suit you. Yep. Because if you go to like, like like I know you guys, I know your tastes. But if you go to Chicago or New York or or Portland or something like that, it's kind of like like there are some like maybe you would have preferred to go to a different spot. Um, you have options. lots of options. And, and options. if it's if it's hard to rein in, then like, is there a spot that for you personally, like, no matter where you travel, like. If you go to the city, you'll always go there. Yeah, because you no, go to Chicago a lot. Like no matter like what other myriad yeah. things you do, is there one spot that no matter what you're gonna you you have to go back there? Like that's your you no matter what. Well, but like so like I, I was thinking about uh, I was in Portland right before I shut down, and uh, I Oregon? went to yep. Portland, Oregon. And fuck you, Maine. Trying to act Zane. like you own Paul Bunyan. Get the fuck out of here. Maine, oh, you oh, are wrong. Oh, hold on. What? But yeah. the clams are good. Oh, no, no. No, no. <laughs> Portland, Maine tries to hold claim, and they say that it's bullshit that, that Paul no, Bunyan stop exists. talking about him right now. Yeah. Fuck him. <laughs> okay. Fuck him. Sorry. Right, so you're in... <laughs> we got hot there. I got hot there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Shut up. I'm just trying to get it out. So of So anyway, the only the man. only Portland that exists, Portland, Oregon. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we went to this restaurant, Han Oak, which, like, to this to this day, I would recommend anybody that like is anywhere near anything that those people were doing because I don't know if it's a restaurant. Like, it, it's hard because like I don't know if these are restaurants anymore, right? Ooh. Like yeah, but if you like research That's Han Oak, yeah, anything tough. that those guys were doing was like Hunt Oak, Han Oak, Han H Han H A N yeah H A N yeah, I think okay something okay yeah well as long as phonetically Han it makes Oak. sense yeah okay sure uh, that that place was like actually like kind of game changing for me like the way that they they approached their menu the way they approached their food everything was like really really impressive. Um, uh, in Door County, there, so yeah, we go there often, and it took us a long time to kind of like hone in on what was like a good place to go. Like Door County is like very like touristy, and there's all this yeah. shit kind of going on. Um, so my, my my grandpa's got a my grandpa passed what, five five ish years ago, something like that, and um, he's got a place out there and. Since then, it's been kind of passed around, like uh, in the family. So. In the family, mm-hmm. so nice. like we've been going out and visiting when when my folks have time out there. And there's this place in the peninsula called Trixie's. That's like if you're going to Door County, 
and you like good food and you like and you're I'm like, familiar and you're right dude it's like it's, it's so legit yeah dude it's so legit it's so good and you're surrounded by a, like you're surrounded by like beauty and a lot of things that are very maybe not your style Correct. right like you Correct. know so it's like like we can go places and like have a good time but like Trixie's it's kind of like food's good the ambiance is good the service is like thoughtful everything is really good so that's like one place for sure what like, do you get at Trixie's what do you order when you go to Trixie's well you get rosé like what's the yeah. you get rosé get the rosé but they're like their vibe is pink yep oh really and they're in like this very if if you met a like a late stage middle aged woman mm-hmm. and she's like my name's Trixie that color vibe that you would get from her is Trixie's but it's but it's like it's thoughtful and delicious yeah, yeah. and, and they not get in all the their, and, and and they actually get their shit from like Wasita Farms and like these, what's like, a food these, what like what's a example of some food that you would eat at Trixie's they so they used to do this thing. Ah, oh, God, I wish I could remember the fucking name of it. It was Saganaki, right? Oh, baby. For that sure. flame and cheese? The Greek? Flame and cheese, yep. man. Yep. Yep. Is this Dude, Greek? the fucking flame yep. and cheese. Mamma mia. Dude, Saganaki. You can't fuck with Saganaki if you, no. No, but like, if you do it right. So, the Saganaki. So, like, the first time we went there, we got the Saganaki to start. And it was okay. like, flame and cheese comes out. Came out flaming. They squeeze oh. a whole lemon on top of it. You to must. Get the little, like, flame Have out. To. Yep. No, put, you need the you need the, the citrus. Yeah, put the flame out, and then once it's done, they just dump like uh like 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 a chimney on there, like like a salsa verde or like a chimney oh. on there. herbs, herb herb oil. I, saw, I I will say though, I am still convinced that it was butter based and not oil based. It was chopped herbs in for us. I oh believe, sure, yeah, whatever. It was, yeah, dude, it was bomb. Like olive, I I love olive oil as the base for like a chimichurri, but. I, I am 100% convinced that it was melted butter that they mixed all the herbs in. So it was like... You were also eating oh, cheese. It was, so like a, it, was like a, it was like a chimiscani. I'm, I'm still... Yeah. I, I've had discussions about this for a while. Yeah. It, might have been, it might have been an effect of the Saganaki because the fat that renders off when Absolutely. it's flambéed is like butter. It's a different... I agree. It's, like it's just a different vis- viscosity when you... Anyway, Sorry. No, but it, like okay. that's. So it sounds I, like Saganaki yes. is one of the moves for sure. Yeah. What yeah. else is it? What's what's the entree? What well, do we got? so <laughs> so the beauty about Trixie's is that hey, their menu is hungry, about like ten, like it, it's like ten items. Yeah. Okay, so just like oh so, yeah, and they and single they, single page. We keep the bringing best. up shit that I talked about in the prior interview. The, best. the interview I had a couple days ago. Yeah, it's it's okay if you have a vast menu. But it's nice when you keep it tight and you know what you're good at. And when people come to your establishment, they know what they're coming for. Yeah. They're not like, I don't know, I could eat anything. Right. So it's, because, it is a, like a real tight menu. Okay. If you threw a fucking burger on that menu, mm. everyone's ordering the burger, right? So like, like eliminate, <laughs> yeah. eliminate these, the, these variables and be like, mm-hmm. hey, we're going out to eat. And the people are like, well, what do you get when you go there? It's like. I mean, the menu is ten things. Just pick whatever the fuck you want. Like, right. And one of those things is olives. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like get the olives, get the saganaki. Now yeah. you're at eight things, and you got a table of four. It's like, well, we'll just get everything, like whatever. Right. You know. Did your olives have the chopped garlic in them? Like the, I mean, like, dude, I, I've been dude. there like Ugh. a bunch of times. All right, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I, I love the fact that. 
I never thought about that, but like having like chopped roasted garlic mixed in with olives, it adds this like sweet and savory note to it that kind of takes away from like the sharp brine. Okay. Dude, fucking bomb. Sorry. You can give me like any kind of olives <laughs> any day and I'm Woo and I'm <laughs> yeah. Woo. Rick <laughs> I, I'm Rick Flaring that fucking olive bowl. Limousine stealing. Olive eating. Olive eating. Olive eating. <laughs> no, I'm going I'm to steal your limousine. <laughs> limousine I'm going to go eat the fucking olives. Okay, he has been drunk. He's been that drunk before. That's right. Limousine stealing. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's dope. Yeah. Olives are fun because some people love them, myself included. Some people revile them. Mm-hmm. Former guest Brett Splinter. <laughs> I'm like. Also, former guest Jenny Kwam. Yeah, yeah. So, what? Splinter, I think. No way. Dude. Yeah. All right, can Wait, I, hold on, hold on, real yeah, quick, real you go quick. First. The you splinter go first. point you go first. is that I, I think he doesn't like tomatoes and he doesn't like olives. I'm like, every mm-hmm. time you eat a pizza, you're basically eating yeah. olives and tomatoes with cheese and bread. Right. I will give okay. I will give Jenny Kwan credit because when we were in Morocco, <laughs> every restaurant that you walk into gives you a different version of olive tapenade. No matter what, everywhere you go, mm-hmm. olive tapenade. And give me that. She. I'm into it. Every yeah, fucking. Everywhere we went, up until up until our honeymoon, she was like, "I hate olives. Fuck you, olives. I hate olives. Fuck Mm -hmm. you, olives." She ate at least one piece of baguette of tapenade at every single place we went in Morocco, and that was one of the moments when I realized this woman is absolutely incredible. Because she Wait, hated, was it Guara or Morocco? She buddy? hated every every single one Morocco of them. Guaraco. They, they, they do not let Guar into Morocco. I don't Hold think. on. Hold on. <laughs> what? Guaraco. Morocco? No, I'm. Guar. Oh, yeah. Guar. Titles for the podcast. I had a hot. Odious Marrakeshis. <laughs> That's fine. No, I had, yeah. I had hot, hot Quivit. Now I got Guaraco. <laughs> But yeah, like it was. I loved, I loved how hard she fucking tried because every single restaurant we went to, it was like the owner of the restaurant that was out there, like begging us to come in, and they'd be like, "Would you like a, a like some bread?" And yeah, and then it was never olive oil; it was olive oil filled with chopped olives. And she'd be yeah. like, "All right, I'm gonna try this one." Nope, still hate it. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> and it was awesome because she fucking did it every single meal, every single day. And I loved her for it. Like, I knew she wasn't going to be happy about it, but she still fucking tried because she wanted, she desperately wanted to try and find one blend of olives because everyone had a different one. Some were spicy, some had lemon juice in it, some had all this. No, it just, no. Yeah, you'll find some, you'll you'll (laughs) find every imaginable olive. Is there anything in your life that you've hated and you keep on trying? Yeah. All the time. Everything exactly. mayonnaise based. No way. I fucking hate mayo. But if you give me an aioli, I'll try it. He said I'll have some. He said I'll have a little mayo this weekend if we do. Yeah, I'll try it. Like if you. We were, if, we were doing some mad scientist stuff. Yeah. We couldn't stop coming up with concepts when we were sitting at the bar at Meteor mm-hmm. for because we're going to do an interview this weekend. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to cook at my house. I think we're going to do. Like a shaved picanha sandwich, like a roast beef sandwich, but with picanha. Ooh, Why, yeah, doesn't nice. do that? Why doesn't anyone do that? By the way, right? And then, uh, well, like, treat like a gut, like like a, like a duck breast, right? Like you know, like 
Yeah. Correct. Fucking correct. And then, uh, you know, get some really nice, like, Trung Nam French bread, some raclette, because I have a raclette melter, which we've joked about on the the show about why why do I own a raclette melter? And wifey and I are buying the raclette cheese. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, Friday. It's happening. And then, you know, maybe like a jardinera. Mm -hmm. And then I was saying, well, toasting the bun, I make a lot of compound butters. It's like one of my, like big things that I do. I have a ramp butter and I have a marrow butter, so maybe we'll toast the bread with that. And then I, I asked Quam very sheepishly <laughs> at Meteor, can we do a swipe? Can we do a little... Ooh. And he's like, oh yeah, with everything else. So I think if it plays with everything else, it's okay. But I think his problem is when there's when you're eating a sandwich and it's just like... If, if the sound yeah. effect of you putting it on the food was... You can't glorp, you can't glorp it. No, you, you can't, can't glorp it. it. Shout out to Stephanie March. I love you to death. You mm-hmm. can't glorp it unless it's really good. You can't thwap the glorp unless it's really fucking good. Uh, can I, I'm going to give shouts out to two different places for this one. I don't care. Uh, I'm just going to say if you're in Chicago, you have to go to Pequod's. You have to have a personal fucking deep dish pizza. I'm not trying to say that deep dish pizza is better than anything else. I will say that Pequod's is better than anything else because it is a 20 30 year long seasoned tin and then they put the parmesan all around and if you go there for lunch you can get it for 12.99 with a fucking bud light so wait hold every time you go to chicago do you get pequod every single time every Pequod's single is time. my favorite chicago style pizza but I go for the lunch. I don't. I don't bring anybody else. Mm-hmm. If I'm there by myself, oh. done. So you go, if, you go into town early and then go to Pequod's by correct, yourself. Correct. Like me going to Oshawa. Yep. Uh, that is just my shit. I love doing that. Well, what's the other spot then? <laughs> you have two spots in Chicago? No, 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 no. Oh, as no, you no, say, no, damn. No. I don't go right to sleep. <laughs> the other spot is uh, my bed. It's going to be amazing to think that I'm going to do something in Norway. But if you go to Oslo, if you go, if you go to like the main station for everything where it all splits apart, like you're, uh, you're buying a Target. If you go there and you get out and you go straight north, there is a small little place called the Carmel Grill. It is owned by, uh, well, it used to be owned by two Turkish brothers. And now it's, I think, owned by their four sons. It is, to this day, the best Middle Eastern food that I have ever had. It They do everything from scratch, and they make... There is a paste that is a hybrid of uh, sambal olek and um, uh, piri piri. They put it together, and they literally put... What, on, do you know what... Um, what like Arab cuisine it's derived they, from they, or so Middle Eastern they will not Mediterranean that is their secret sauce so the, I have <laughs> I have I spent my entire time in college that makes me think of Hara so Hara is a pepper sauce in Lebanon so it is it, they put it on with a paint scraper like literally like scoop it and they spread it on the inside of the pita sounds like Hara and uh, it I have I have spent my entire college years <laughs> and then now like all six times that we've been back to Norway, I've been trying to figure it the fuck out. And that's the closest that I can get. It is so incredible. And then they No, it's it's very much it's like a pepper paste. It's like Correct. thick. Correct. 
but not like uh, granular. It still no. spreads. No, it is. It sounds a like hara. Spread. I think it's hara. It's probably hara. They okay. might be Lebanese. Well, no, they're Turkish. Like we've we've had this conversation. Oh, okay, but many well, times. oh yeah, but okay. That's what he's asking: is what uh, where where the cuisine yeah. derived from? Both okay. both families are Turkish. Turkish, Turkish. So there was a there's a lot of Turkish influence in Lebanon because the, the Turks were in Lebanon for a long period of time. Could be possible that it went either way. That maybe they brought that to Lebanon, or they took it from Lebanon. But it sounds like, yeah, it may very well be that particular sauce. That's the the coolest okay. moment for me. So in it, like at at actually Carmel Grill, mm-hmm. uh, they call it starka sauce, which is just basically it, it equates to strong sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> when when I took Jenny there for the first time. I'm looking at this kid who's like 10 years younger than me and I ordered it and he's like, uh, I, I, I don't know if you know, like this is very spicy. I'm like, Oh no, like starka sauce. Like I know. And he looked at me and he's like, how, how do you know that? And I'm like, I, I lived here like fucking 18 years ago. And he's like, Oh shit. And he went and got his dad and literally like dude remembered me. It was it was absolutely wild, and we just sat and we ate, and that is no matter what. Every time I go to Oslo, I have to go there. Doesn't matter what ever else I want to do. Doesn't matter wherever else we go. Oh, that's awesome. And it's not. It's it's still like you. It's counter service. It's not a sit down restaurant for sure. Yeah. But they it's like earlier we were talking about. That's a thing I love about foreign countries is there's like consistency yep. and it's very simple. Mm-hmm. Street food are also like. You know, in Batroon, when I go get a euro at a place where you walk in and they're cutting it straight off for you, yeah. it's like two people in there. Well, dude, it, I, I give them credit because it's usually like at least pretty crowded. But I mean, staff. they they I'm do staff. Oh yeah, they do their falafel from scratch and they do the euro from scratch, and cool. that was where I had had euro before, but I had never had falafel. And that was what turned me on to falafel. Mm. And to this day, oh, really? when I make it at home, that's still the flavor that I chase. And the first time that I brought Jenny to Norway, I, I was like, fuck, man, I don't know if this is going to be as good. Like, this has been mm. a dream of me since I was 20 turning 21. Oh, yeah. Like, you were like, brought I her back. she's going to stand up to you. She was like, this might be the best falafel I've ever had. And I'm like, well, not the same way. Oh, my God. It's cool. still so good. <laughs> And now, like, I'm old enough to actually understand the flavors involved. And now I, then now literally, like, my falafel at home, all I'm doing is chasing that. It's so sure. fucking good. And Ooh. that's, like, Love to me, it. you go anywhere. If you go to Chicago, I'm going to tell you to go to Pequod's. If you go to Norway, I'm just going to say, go to whatever else you want to do, but you got to stop here and you got to get that for, it'll be 10 bucks tops for the two of you and it'll change your world. Yeah. Booyah. There's there's a lot of places like that that I could recommend that are far away from here. Like I always have to go to Say Sweet to get uh, kanefe when I arrive in Lebanon. It's my favorite kanefe. I know it's like a big place. It's like a pretty well-renowned spot. It almost seems disingenuous to say go to the big place, but the kanefe there is unbelievable. Yep. The place I'm going to recommend is very close to home. It's north of us on the North Shore. Lake Superior. Mm-hmm. There's a city in Minnesota called Duluth. Been and there. it's a beautiful place. Lots of fun things to do there. The food scene, 
Sorry if you live in Duluth. Is I don't think it's that great. Like it's getting better. Okay. I mean, for me, I historically I've tried a lot of food there. It's it's fine. Like there's there's food. It's edible food. There's food places to eat. Not not a lot of places that excite me. Honestly, this is actually the antithesis of that. I'm not gonna denigrate the food scene there. This is more uh, dap to a place that is so good that I almost don't consider other places because of it. Northern Water Smokehouse. Dude, I so agree. When I am in Duluth, I'm eating breakfast, lunch, dinner. Pretty much all I want to eat when I'm there, Northern Water Smokehouse. Unfucking believable I'm just eating Northern Water Smokehouse. That's it. Like Again, there's other food that's food, Mm -hmm. and it's fine, but nothing comes anywhere near my love and adoration for Northern Water Smokehouse. And if you ask me, you know, I bet the next question will be, what's your favorite sandwich? Fuck, I don't know, pastrami, mommy? It doesn't matter because I'm eating, if I'm in Duluth for a weekend, I'm eating at Northern Water Smokehouse at least three times. So it doesn't matter what my favorite is. I'm going to tell you. I'm just mixing it up. I'm going to tell you not to even get a sandwich. Just get smoked like trout. Just get smoked salmon and then fuck off. Go get some good cheese and get some crackers. That's what I bring home, though. Like, there's there's no. I I love the sandwiches. I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat. Every time I go, Northern Water sandwich. Smokehouse in Duluth, and give me a dip. unbelievable. Give me, oh, yeah. You know, smoke salmon, mm-hmm. and then when you go home, bring some stuff home with Absolutely. you. Yeah, unbelievable. That place is a, a, an American treasure, not just Minnesota. And it might also, you know, maybe it's diminishing returns. Like it makes other places seem like they're not as good. But every, it's one of those situations where no wasted meals. I have a meal somewhere else. Done. Someone recommends to me, and I'm like, motherfucker. No. I wish I went to Northern Waters. But yeah, but I'm not going to skip Northern Waters. I I agree. Uh, Jenny and I had an agreement. Uh, I used to work for a brewery who uh, was centered in Duluth, Minnesota. And every time I went up there, part of the agreement, if I had to stay overnight, like since I was going to miss a night, was like, well, bring you better bring home some Northern Water Smokehouse. Mm-hmm. Now, we live in a city that has incredible smoked meats and fish. We can get great shit anywhere, but it doesn't even fucking no, compare. it's different. It's different. Northern Water Smokehouse, like, I, I don't care where you are in the world. That place will make your knees Yeah, weak. they've been featured on TV plenty. Gorski, have you? Oh, to? yeah. Like, Dude. Like, so... Yeah, my wife is like not like super keen on smoked salmon, mm. but like she knows that every time we drive to or through Duluth, like that I'm getting at least one sandwich. Yep. And like oftentimes I get two sandwiches, and she's like, "Well, why?" And I'm like, "Because I'm gonna eat this one like <laughs> like an hour later." Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, I'm gonna split it with myself. I'm gonna yeah, eat exactly. half of each. And then later, I'm going to eat the other two. Because <laughs> that's how the fuck we roll. Uh, the best. They did uh, I remember one time I was in town for All Pines North with my brother, and they had like a smoked duck breast situation. It was fucking incredible. And mm-hmm. I don't think they've ever made it since. They might still make it, and I'm never there. It's not like I'm there all the time. But that thing was... Oof. Next time I go in there, I'm gonna be like, "You guys gonna make that smoke? Duck make that party? shit again? Can you make that <laughs> smoke duck number again, please?" I just always get like they do like a simple bagel with mm-hmm. like capers, cream cheese, and smoked salmon, mm-hmm. and like and it's the like, classic. like g- give me give me two of those, and then like whatever like isn't in the case that's like speaking to me, yep. but like I know that like I have my bagel sandwiches like sitting over here, you know, like. Like get what get what you want in the future when you're there, 
and then see what's in the case that's speaking I to you now. I think the classic know, like, lox bagel they only do in the summer. Yep. They well at least they used to for the bagels. Yeah, they, they call it like the summer something. Mm-hmm. But I think like the classic lox bagel, yeah. they they used to only do during the summer. But you it's like my it, favorite one. You can oh, get yeah. it on a baguette like, all winter. But it's yeah, perfect. Yeah, and then they do the um, uh, what's it called? The sake mami. The they do another one with like the smoked mm-hmm. salmon. People in Duluth listening to this are probably gonna be like, "You motherfucker!" It's we got love something you. like that. It's got. We I think love it's got. You. Right, I'm not. I'm not gonna say anything else. <laughs> I think it's cucumber and like uh, alfalfa sprouts. Okay, I already fucked myself here. <laughs> Someone's gonna be like, "People are right now are yelling at their stereo in their car, like, no, it's called." The- <laughs> Sorry about it. We we fucked it up. Either way, no matter what you do, go to Northern Water Smokehouse. Period. Dude, big time. Period. But that's that's yeah. a good one because it's a small town thing, right? Because yeah. when you brought that yeah. point up, Adam, when you said, you know, like a city like Chicago or Portland, yeah. New York, yep. you can't tell someone you have to go here. Right. Because there's so many options. Yep. Right. But a place like Duluth or County or right. uh, sure. the city you were saying with the with the Middle Eastern place. Mm-hmm. Like, Oslo. Is there a multitude of options? Op- oh, no, well, that's literally Oslo. it. I'm saying like, yeah, if, if you're sure. like, hey, yo, you got to go uh-huh. get this thing uh-huh. because it's it's uh, exceptional. Starka sauce. It doesn't matter if it's a gyro or yeah. if it's fucking uh, yeah. falafel, whatever it is. That's what you're looking for. Just get that Starka sauce in there and you'll, you'll, be, you'll be flying high. Because there's shit I always get. Mm-hmm. I have to try to get an Asheville. It's got yeah. a lot easier. Oh, totally. Yeah. I have to try. I'm baloney over burger. I'm just going to say it right I now. I know. We already know that, man. I know. I just got to keep we saying it. Quam. I think I, I got yelled at two days burger. ago yeah. on Facebook for that. Uh, but Bologna that plus runny egg. Mm-hmm. Done. Right. Greatest burger on earth, but the bologna sandwich is better, I guess. So it's, you know, it's cool. <laughs> uh, Gorski, we should, we should wrap this up. Uh, if people want to know more about you or find you, where should they look on them Jeez. internets? On the internets? Oh, dang. That's where I'm trying to, like... Or, or if they want to find <laughs> the places with you which can you come work. to. Uh, so uh, I will be at Suki and Mimi at fourteen thirty-two West Thirty-first Street. If you're in Minnesota, or if you're traveling, <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's a Uptown. place to go. There's a place to go. Yep. Uptown Minneapolis. Uptown, uh, baby. I'll be there. Uh, yeah. That's kind of where to find me, I, I suppose. Fucking love it, man. Uh, if if they were to come find you, is there a cocktail that you would say you got to have this one? We do a house made tapache, and we treat it like a highball. So, like, pick your spirit, and we're gonna top it with tapache, kind of a scenario. You and just, that's uh, that that that's what I'm most excited about right now. That just made my nipples hard. <laughs> that is that's delightful. <laughs> Uh, Charles, how do people find you? Well, I'll say since we're recording at my beautiful Riverside, Northeast Minneapolis studio. I can see Hamel's the door. Design. I'm always reluctant to talk about my business. But I know. I mean, who cares? Uh, it, it came from the sea is my Instagram handle. Don't follow me. It's not, <laughs> it's not worth it. Uh, I am communist on most things, so I don't know. Come find me. If you like lefty politics and... Uh, Pictures of my dog and uh, weird. Or the communist, depending where you look. You yeah, just, the other I don't part. Know. Yeah, but you forgot. 
If you look it up, no matter what, it shows up. If you just type in communist, it'll show up. Sometimes it's the, sometimes it's not. If you really want it, it's there. Yeah. If you want to be, (laughs) if you want to listen to uber liberal shit and hear a bunch of music and then see pictures of my pets, that's a pretty good way to find me. Uh, either way, thank you again for listening. We fucking love you so much. And uh, we are libations for everyone. Cheers. We'll, uh, we'll see you for the next round. <laughs>